tonight we're going to be playing with R S T L N N E. Welcome to game shows, I suppose. Everybody and welcome to the Niche Podcast about the one thing that I know something about, game shows. I suppose I'm your host, Jordan Haas. We have a fun episode today because we're talking about Wheel of Fortune uh, with Will. But before we get to all the shenanigans of that, we got to get through the news. All right, welcome to the news segment. It's... Sorry, I'm just very sleepy. Okay, so for first of all, uh, the there is news uh, involving. I can see your voice. Uh, the Fox format coming soon, host by Ken Jong, is also making its way to the Beebs. Because so, hey, if the Mass Singer is a successful South Korean singing show, we need a spinoff show as well. So let's just go with it. And uh, the premise is basically, can you determine who's a good singer from a bad singer just by looking at them uh, and not hearing them? Uh, so it's kind of like a, a mystery game. So uh, the whole premise, if you've never seen the show, is basically just like imagine people singing on mute. And then you're supposed to be like, yeah, that's that's a, that's a look of a singer. Um with the big reveal of the musician gets a duet with with the singer and if they're a real singer uh they get money and if it's a fake bad singer uh they don't get money the 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 fake singer gets the money and it becomes like a big haha prank uh so so like i, I mean that's, just, that's that seems like a very fun show they they started casting that a month ago i think they're probably on their way to produce that here in America real soon. So, congrats to Biebs. Um Secondly, uh, Weakest Link is, I guess, returning. They didn't specify what network. Most likely NBC. Uh, but, yeah, there's a, going to be a revival of Weakest Link. And they're casting for contestants right now. Buzzer Blog said that uh, over the weekend. But also, it's been in casting calls for a few days now <laughs> like suddenly i'm starting to feel like i'm just yelling into a, a, an empty room <laughs> and sometimes that's the case uh but yeah weakest link uh is casting for contestants right now no word yet on host uh normally this would be the part where i do the joke like it should be me because fuck every rule of thirds is like like what like when i did game shows i suppose the first bit was jordan for card sharks and then what happened? Joel McHale got it. We did Supermarket Sweep. Leslie Jones got it. We did Crystal Maze. Adam Conover got it. I can't catch a break. Now, Weakest Link is probably going to be hosted by, I don't know, um, 
uh, George Gray. We'll just say George Gray's coming back. Um, but like, this is just, I, I, I'm at a loss for words here. Like, I mean, I'm excited for a weakest link revival because I, I, my head's going like, where are they going to go with that? But at the same time, it, this is just now so draining. This is so, so draining. Uh, cause it's like, I knew about this coming f- for a few months now. I, I, I guess no one listens because it's celebrated. Also, Supermarket Sweep is on Netflix. 15 episodes of Supermarket Sweep, which you could have originally have seen on Amazon Prime or on Pluto TV on the Buzzer channel, is now on Netflix. Congrats to Fremontal for putting those episodes up. I, I figure... Someone has to explain that Supermarket Sleeps on Netflix. And if it's not me, I don't know, the McElroy brother or 18 other game journalists. I don't just... I'm burnt. I'm so fucking burnt. Like, this is just like... Ugh. But Supermarket Sweep is a fun game show, and I'm guessing the reason they put that there is to check the interest for Supermarket Sweep for its eventual revival with Leslie Jones, because I'm going to sure as shit guess that no one knows that they're reviving the fucking Supermarket Sweep with Leslie Jones as the host, even though I say it almost every other week on this fucking podcast and on Twitter and on Facebook. So sure enough, I'm pretty sure just to fuck with me, they're going to announce Leslie Jones Supermarket Sweep within a month from now, and I'm going to see lots of retweets and, oh my god, Supermarket Sweep's coming back. Yes, I know. I talk about it here every fucking week. Cut me some fucking slack. They froze it because of COVID. <sighs> I'm, I'm losing my mind. I am fucking losing my mind here. This podcast is going to be the death of me i assume this is going to be the death of me i like like what what's my purpose in this fucking show like what the fuck is my per I, like the news segment i just supposed to like read press releases and then like sigh because it's like really shit puns and it's like who will make the cut and it's like a a a, uh, a chopping competition or something it, it just <sighs> This is just like becoming absurd. I, it, it, this is the some of the reasons why it's like I look at all the news. Like, okay, so for instance, Jeopardy, the first decade is coming soon. You're going to be seeing early, early Jeopardy when Trebek had a fro and a mustache because they couldn't record as many episodes because of COVID. This is a great back channel to hey, let's play some repeats of Jeopardy. To show the the longevity of the format makes sense, but at the same time, I feel like 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 the, nothing. Uh, if I was the one to break a news story, it wouldn't matter. The people who come up and, and and release the news, they get ignored too. So what's the point? What's the point of this? So it's like, what's the point of doing a news segment? People ignore this fucking segment. They go like, oh, did you hear about Flores Lava? Yeah, yeah, I did hear about Flores Lava. Yeah, I've, I've heard of the game show. I, I just, it, it just burns me the fuck out. 
it really does burn me out. I don't know why I, I'm venting in the middle of the news segment, but like, what, what the fuck do you want me to say here? Wipeout is coming back to, to TBS. Did you, are you guys going to be like, oh my god, Wipeout's back? I, I, I fucking say the same fucking news, and then people forget, and then it's like, oh wow, shiny new thing. What, what do you want from me? Anyway, uh, the big piece of news of the day, which I was going to say for last, is is a huge thing. This is the hugest uh, game show news in the entire world. This is the biggest game show news story. And I actually mean that sincerely. This is the biggest game show news story probably ever. Uh, merger just hit. Uh, Bonajay, uh is, is rebranding itself, and it's... Spent $2.2 billion buying Endemol Shine. This is one of the biggest mergers because there's only so many production companies for reality television and game shows and all this. Uh, I'm not going to go through the entire history of like each of these formats and who owns what, but you know, Endemol and then there's Shine Media and then they merged and became Endemol Shine. Endemol had things like Big Brother, Shine had a lot of uh, light hearted daytime game shows uh such as for instance meant to win it uh bana j formats uh bought the survivor rights and they also own the rights to a lot of bunham mercury shows as well as survivor so this 2.2 billion dollar merger the survivor people just bought big brother the people who made the crystal maze just bought out like minute to win it they it, this is like the biggest game show merger out there it's like anything that isn't to me now i have to say like anything that's n almost like not a uh a Fremontal show is owned now by bonajay which is very weird to me to say but at the same time it got approved by the eu which means it's also gonna be approved by america because it's just a media holding company so thousands of formats have now been are now going to be owned under one umbrella. So it's, it's very uh, interesting because uh, it's like the company that is promoting almost all their big shows. So MasterChef is there. Survivor is there. Uh, and that's not even including all the Endemol shows and the like, spinoffs from there. So things like Deal or No Deal is under the Bonage format now. Things like Fear Factor is now under Bonage. Wipeout Bonage. Uh, th this is really weird and fascinating to me because it's like this is a huge, huge story, and I don't think anybody can really see the the like the severity of how big this merger really is. Uh, unless you just say two point two billion dollars, two point two billion for all of this. This is insane to me. This is fascinating to me. Because now it's like, think of anything I have ever seen in the history of... Now, keep in mind, like, there's also, like, scripted shows on some of these things. Uh, a lot of flops also. But, like, MTV is the challenge. Where does that go? Where is uh, things like, for instance, uh, Hollywood Game Night these days? I think that's an NBC show. But I think there's one segment that's going to be Bonage. Because of international distribution, that it's like this is this is insane. This is crazy to me. That it's like almost 
every single game show ever conceived is now under one umbrella. And mark my words on this, because I always like to predict stuff. Fremontal Media has Buzzer, and they have a huge library of some of my favorite game shows. This Bonaget group with Endemol, this could be a rival to Fremontal. Considering how many different shows they have, I would not be surprised if they just dust off a lot of old formats and just replay them over and over again. Because what's stopping them from playing Bear Grylls documentaries or MasterChef 24-7? They can do it. So this is going to be a new kind of format, and because of this holding with all these shows and all these formats, it, I the the this this is going to be great in many regards because like hey, Survivor and Big Brother are together, so all their crews can kind of work together. But at the same time, and I have to always remind people this: mergers always mean layoffs. So while there's a two point two billion dollars. Something tells me there's going to be thousands and thousands of people, not just in America, but in Europe, in Asia, they will lose their jobs because of this merger. And that's scary to me because I never want to see anyone lose their jobs. So it's kind of the strangest merger ever because at one hand, this is really big, really, really, really fucking big. But... At the same time, I can only see disaster strike in a certain outlets and then quickly ignore because, oh, wow, Fort Boyard's coming to America or, oh, boy, uh, who's still standing getting a GSN uh, pickup or uh, what else can we say? Here, let me just quickly go through some of the list here because this is the Bonaché group and they own a lot of stuff. So, Ventureline Productions in France, Air Productions, Bonaget Productions, Bonaget Studios, Animal Shine, Fiction France. Uh, so, anything that's like Big Brother or Big Boss, for instance. A Brainpool TV. Now, you don't know who about Brainpool Television in, in uh, Germany. Uh, they produced uh, two Eurovision Song Contests for a bit. Uh, they typically do local uh, shows. They did TV Total, um, which was Stefan Robb's TV show before doing uh shrugged and rob uh that is rob tv and that's Brainpool. so Brainpool, which is shrugged and rob is now owned by bonaget i mean it has always been but this is the big brother people as well uh bonaget italia uh itv movie uh zodiac in netherlands uh so so animal shine finland spain portugal the united kingdom seven wonder little wonder artist studio bandit television bandaget gaming bandaget beyond Blacklight, Castaway Television Productions, which is Survivor, The Comedy Unit, Cun and Mustard, Douglas Road Productions, Dragonfly Film and Television, Darlow Simpson, uh, Electric Robin, Fearless Minds, Filthy Fathoms, Flipside Talent, House of Tomorrow, which does Black Mirror, and uh, I think Screenwipe, uh, Initial, IWC Media, Kudos, Neon Inc. Productions, The Natural Studios, which is Bear Grylls' company, RDF Television, which is the companies that gave us the Crystal Maze, Remarkable Television, Sharpjack, Shine Television, which is the Shine Media co Company, which uh, came up with a lot of different shows, such as The Biggest Loser, American Gladiators, uh, Hunted, uh, I, I'm just drawing, I'm just like drawing so many blanks of all of these game shows. Um, let's keep going here. Shiny Bun Production, Sydney Street, Silent Boom, Simon's Cat Limited, uh, which is uh, an animation department, uh, Tiger Aspect, 
they were the team behind a lot of sketch comedy shows over on BBC. Uh, also a lot of bad game shows, but shh, don't say that. Uh, Touch Paper Television, Wild Mercury Productions, Worker Bee, Yellowbird UK, Zepatron, which I think also is Screenwrite People. Uh, United States. So this is the United States. This is all the people care about is the U.S. here. Um, ben & Murray Productions. So Ben & Murray is the company that gives us MTV's The Challenge, The Crystal Maze, Keeping Up with the Kardashians, Total Divas, Total Bellas, Project Runway, The Real World, Ms. and Mrs. You, you can figure where I'm going at with those. Uh, it also gave us, uh, there's also Banjay Studios North America. Banjay North America uh, kind of has this weird relationship where there's Billion Dollar Buyer, Dancing with the Stars, Hunted, Family Food Fight, Lego Masters, MasterChef, The Wall, uh, Big Brother, and they are also behind Mirror's Edge, the video game Mirror's Edge. Um, Authentic Entertainment uh, is a company that gives us a few uh, reality TV shows, uh, mostly documentary uh, based, such as Train Spaces. Uh, you got 51 Minds, one of my favorite production companies. Uh, this is this is VH1. So the I Love New York, I Love Money, uh, <laughs> the the surreal life. That that's also now under the Bonnage umbrella. Uh, Endemol Shine Australia and Screen Time uh, are also under the umbrella, which means all the Australian game shows. And yeah, that's mostly used Gogglebox and American Ninja Warrior and Big Brother. You know how most every format you can think of. Uh, and that's including Asian markets, but that's what makes this such a like, serious like thing right now it's think about any modern tv show in the last 20 years it's now under one umbrella almost almost every show you can think of is under one roof <laughs> almost like one big brother house you could say um that like the strangest thing is i've only really gotten to speak with the banjay people a few times in my life but uh they're very like Almost every single person in production with AU Studios are just, like, having a blast doing what they do. Uh, but, but, you know, it depends on which job you have. That this is kind of... It's, like, fun and fascinating. Uh, so, so it's going to be weird to see what the direction of game shows are going to be in, like, five, ten years from now. Because uh, if this merger is happening, what's about other game shows? Uh, not just like Fremontal, but say Sony Pictures, the company that gives us Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune, which gives us a good transition into today's episode. Today's episode is Wheel of Fortune, and it's one of those important episodes, I like to say. Uh, so, usually the ones that get the most attention in the world of game shows, I suppose, seem to be either 
the mainstream game shows that people have remembered so fondly, like Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, or ones that are currently active, such as Family Feud, Let's Make a Deal, The Price is Right, Jeopardy, and Wheel of Fortune. Those are the main five right now. Of course, there are syndicated game shows like 25 Words or Less, and you can't forget classics like Celebrity Name Game. But currently active on TV, Wheel and Jeopardy are the pairing. Uh, Wheel of Fortune has started since 1975 uh, with multiple hosts uh, and a shopping format that originally originally was kind of the mainstay version of the game. But what I love about Wheel of Fortune is pretty much when it goes on into the 80s. When I mean 80s, I mean when we go into the computer world of, of video games. Wheel of Fortune is one of those video games that you end up seeing in almost every platform. I remember playing Wheel of Fortune for Nintendo and Super Nintendo and Genesis and Nintendo 64, PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3. I remember playing the Nintendo Switch version created by Ubisoft and even the Game Boy version. And the reason I always get connected to Wheel of Fortune in any version of its PC editions is kind of because when I was a kid, and I like to do the, like a little, it was um, I was kind of like a, a a kid who didn't have that much money, uh, if that makes sense. Uh, I never was able to afford a Game Boy until I was like fourteen, fifteen, when the Game Boy Color came out, uh, and it it was kind of like. All I could afford was like Tiger Electronic handhelds because it's $20 and it's like, okay, well, I can't afford the $100 Game Boy. The $20 Tiger Electronic would work. And the most popular of those Tiger Electronics was Wheel of Fortune because all of the puzzles were inside the little AA battery thing and you would spin and you would call the letter by pushing a little button and I thought that was really cool. Like, you push a button and you hear, like, an ah. And I thought, wow, that's so fun. And I remember it came out, I was like five, six, seven years old. And I mean, rather, it was long car trips, uh, being kind of just stuck in a car. As, as you know, I wasn't allowed in an office building and my mom had to work for like four hours. Don't worry, it's like a dog. I had like the window open and drinks. But. <laughs> It it was it was kind of like one of those that was what kept me busy was Wheel of Fortune Tiger Electronics, and when I was able to like have a computer and able to actually have handheld versions of Wheel of Fortune wasn't Tiger, it it felt like a new dimension of of the game show, and I was so excited. When you're a kid, like most of the kids who watch Wheel of Fortune. It's like that's what taught them the alphabet because A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, and Z. They learn their vowels and consonants, much like Countdown in the UK. They know A, E, I, O, U are vowels and you have to pay money for them uh, and everything else is a consonant. Uh, the values have never changed. It was always $250. So that's also a pretty a remarkable thing. There was no inflation when it comes to Wheel of Fortune. And something about Wheel of Fortune has always become the pairing of Jeopardy. And that a winning pairing of Wheel and Jeopardy in syndication has what made 
it, one of the most iconic game show pairings of all time. It's the peanut butter and jelly of game shows. And while Jeopardy is the game show ambassador, and I've been saying that for the very beginning of the show, like Jeopardy, everyone has known Jeopardy, Wheel of Fortune is an all-American game show. When people should say game show, when I say game show, yes, probably Price is Right's the one that would spring to mind. But I think when it comes to the classic American game show, Wheel of Fortune should fit that to a T because it's risk-reward. It's getting a lot for nothing pretty much because you're like, you can win $5,000 by landing on a space and then calling a random letter of 26 or 21 consonants because there's five L's. Uh, and it's just that you risk-reward, like press your luck knowing there's a lose a turn, knowing there's a bankrupt. And just something about that game is what makes it such a legendary game show because it has all the notes. It has the, the, the new car. It has the like $25,000 cash prize. It has trips. It's a game show. It is a game show-ass game show. And when I was looking at this episode, going through the history of Wheel of Fortune from the Susan Stafford years and Chuck Woolery to the modern day format with Pat Sajak and Vanna White. There's a lot of history of Wheel of Fortune in America, but it's actually a successful international format as well. And we'll get to that as well with my friend Will. Now let's turn the table. With me on the line is Chasm Cave, a.k.a. Will, because it's time to play America's Game. Will of Fortune. That's right. Look at these weird wedges go down the stairs from the 1990s, and then we completely destroyed that theme song by making some weird... Yeah, I don't like I I hardly remember that Wheel of Fortune actually has a theme song at this point. It's like the only time that I rem- remember it is if I look at old uh hokey video games of Wheel of Fortune and they have like the 8-bit rendition and I just realize, "Oh right, there used to be a theme song for this and now it's just totally plastered over with." You know uh, who composed that theme song to the Wheel of Fortune? The one that everyone knows, like that. Alan Thick. Sorry. Robin Thick's uh, <laughs> father <laughs> composed that theme so, song. Like, he was the composer. Okay, because I like I know. Obviously, I know him from TV and everything. And uh, he, he I, has a music background. That's how Robin got his music cred. Was Alan Thick was a composer for a lot of theme I songs. And I mean, I mean, I know that he's been in tons of tv i mean the main thing that i know know him from is just because i'm canadian there's like a a one season sitcom of uh at like an adaptation of a doug copeland book called j pod and he uh essentially plays a uh, a total piece of shit like he's still a sitcom <laughs> dad, but he's it's not just that he's like the person he's playing is a bad person but he's also has the sort of a piece of shit lifestyle where he's just going like the characters like his son's name is Ethan and he's going like hey Ethan my friends have 
uh, introduced a new drink to me. It's vodka and Gatorade. And he spends the entire uh, season just swilling vodka and Gatorade and just (laughs) uh, being, you know, just being that like he's... um, The precursor Shit's Creek is basically what you're saying. (laughs) Sort of, yeah. I mean, it's it's he lives that life and i mean this happens in a bunch of different uh copeland books it's and and um also in a movie that copeland directed but uh he one of the things that alan thick does is runs a a grow up with his wife because it takes place in vancouver so it's uh like this thing where he's like you know a retiree and Basically, every episode is him trying to do some new thing, like becoming a, uh, essentially ending up in a bunch of straight to straight to TV, uh, HBO specials, and then making money by growing weed on the side. Uh, <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, this is sorry. we're now going to talk about the Alice thing on television. We're, uh, we're yeah, uh, yeah, something that is. Only existed for one season and has nothing to do with. Yeah, but Wheel of Fortune had like a variety of theme songs. Uh, yeah. One, I'm gonna now do my best to represent every theme song from the Wheel of Fortune oh, uh, through the yeah, through sure. acapella. Uh, so the first one. You can't see it, but I'm I'm nodding my head and I'm just snapping. Snapping. Snapping my fingers. Then it's the then the iconic 80s 90s, which is when it had its real peak. The the turning keys that da 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 da. It really sounds like a generic sort of Hollywood, all the stars are here sort of intro, like the thing that you'd play when uh, a limousine rolls up, which is, I suppose, the tone that they're trying to go through, even if it looks, even if the show for the most part looks like a, I don't know, a very... Uh, chintzy Las Vegas lounge more than an actual. And then when they got rid of it is when everyone forgot about Will Fortune's theme song because it was just generic guitar yeah. riff is like, <laughs> which is weird because you know Jeopardy has inserted guitars into their theme song at this point, but they maintain the actual uh, the actual chord, and it's, it's like a, it's still incongruous that you hear the. Everyone does that do 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 versus Wheel of Fortune. Like someone, can you do the theme to Wheel of Fortune for me? <laughs> They're gonna either screw up and do like the, one of the two I did in the past, or the new one. They have a new theme song now, uh, as of like two years ago, which is like a weird spy Vegas theme. And it's I, like, I can't. Yeah, I, I have like I like I still watch uh, the occasional episode of Wheel of Fortune just for. Um, whatever bootleg guy has put it into YouTube, whatever bootlegger has put it onto YouTube uh, and has it interrupted by like Vietnamese news bulletins or whatever. <laughs> or those, uh, those stock images and then like a weird Microsoft Sam voice. That's right. Produce oh, has gone up yeah. by 14%. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like one of those things where like, like there's programs that you can use that just uh, when you're recording from T, they can, register that there's that there's ads and then they just jump over them but none of these people who are posting wheel of fortune onto youtube 
are going to be that tech savvy about it. The wheel watchers. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Uh, the wheel watchers. I'm not going to do like the bit, but like, you know, everyone makes the joke like game shows are for like old people, like, like pensioners yeah. and stuff. Yeah, I, I mean. If, if you told me that it would just wheel of fortune, I'd believe you. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is like every time that I like, I read, I, I've, I've occasionally read YouTube comments on wheel of fortune episodes and they are like it's, it's does really sound like somebody is dissociated freedom i mean i can try and bring one up that i saved here like a long time okay ago. you do that uh, <laughs> yeah i'll but do the representation like, uh, of the spy music as you look it up it goes like oh boy it's the one that's uh, currently in the modern Ubisoft Wheel of Fortune games. They're available now on Switch and PlayStation 4 and Xbox. They, and... they are, and I'm trying to, like, uh, I mean, maybe we can get into some of the video game adaptations at some point. I, uh, I will say that uh, I, I've talked about this on the Feud episode. I think Wheel of uh, Fortune, because I was going to bring up for when we eventually got to this wheel of fortune is the most video game ass game show ever because if you look at the history of like nintendo super nintendo pc gaming like and i mean the thing is that i mean they because of the format of wheel of fortune uh they can they're able to get around it to some extent but one of the flaws in a lot of these uh game show video games is using a a uh, digital keyboard, like using a controller to type in words, is not fun, and it's really arduous. And I mean, Wheel of Fortune can skip it to some extent because you're usually only putting in one letter at a time. Uh, but one of the weird ironies now, like when you watch people play the modern uh, Wheel of Fortune games, the thing that takes the longest to to play through is the toss-up. Which is like a total inversion of how it's supposed to go because somebody buzzes in and then you've got a timer of like 60 seconds to put in the answer because you're fumbling around with a digital keyboard. Because that that's a new feature, the toss-up. And oh man, that's gonna... Yeah. I just realized this is a lot of the format attack of it. Fuck. And I mean, Did you find the comment, by the way, like of the wheel watcher or whatever? No, I, I do not. I don't think I've ever watched a... Uh, a Wheel of Fortune episode as it's playing on TV. I don't really watch cable all that often. This is a syndicated show available in American-owned yeah. and operated stations across the country. Talk to your local uh, yeah. advisor. It comes on either before or after Jeopardy. They usually pair it up because Merv Griffin. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, so so like the the Nintendo game was like an iconic game. I remember playing that Super Nintendo version, Genesis. Yeah. Uh, PC versions. I mean, the, yeah, I think the first, the first NES one, I think is that's an interesting one, just because Rare made it. And I mean, they've sort of, I think Game Tech came in afterwards and then made uh, several that are basically that basically have the Rare version as its base with a few graphical updates. And I mean, one thing that's it's it's the first one that has Vanna White. Uh, game techs are, are the first ones that have Vanna White in them in a very limited regard because it's an NES and Vanna White's face is basically two dots and a line for a lot of the time. <laughs> it's very unnerving to look at. Um, 
but, but I mean, she when was you... like a heartthrob. Everyone was crushing on Vanna White, and yeah. here she is, this, <laughs> this Tim yeah. Buckley character drawing. It's it's really creepy. It's really creepy, especially considering that um, they give in the eight bit ones. They have to give Vanna a, a walk cycle as she flips flips letters, of course, and half of them. It basically looks like she's walking like Simon Belmont, Sprite in Castle. Oh, the shoulder shrug, shoulder shrug, forward and like, 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 like somebody who's about to, who like really needs to go to the bathroom. Someone who's about to fight Alucard. (laughs) Alucard, yeah. Well, no, Alucard. You know, it's Dracula spelled backwards. Dracula's, yes, it is. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I. but I guess circling back to the thing about um, the, uh, the, the very games. elderly audience, I mean, this is something that I wanted to sort of talk about with you and try and figure out, like, pick your brain on this, because um, one, of the, one of the things that people talk about when they talk about Price is Right, for instance, is how it is basically a, if you want to be very... Um, uh, straightforward about it and not really think about the everything else that goes into making it. You can sort of say, oh, it's like a very consumerist spectacle in the sense that the... Um, yeah, it's a celebration the of American capitalism. Have, yeah, a su- celebration of American capitalism. And I think that I might actually disagree with that because I think that Wheel of Fortune actually is that more. Uh, because... At the very least, there's like tons of ad copy and prices right, of course. But the trade-off for that is that it's ad copy describing the product and you know. Okay, I, I know where you're getting at with this. I know where you're getting at. There's use value, and Wheel of Fortune has the exact same enthusiasm, uh, but it's for money in and of itself. Like if you like, it's <laughs> Wheel of Fortune is basically an advertisement for money. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's fortune and it's in yeah. name, so it makes sense. No, I know what you're saying because, like, mean, Price is Right. Like, if I can break it, I don't want to break down the whole Price is Right spectacle of it. With the Price is Right, it's someone from the audience comes on down. The audience roots for that person because they're going on. They're going down. They meet Drew Carey. Here's the next item up yeah. for bids. It's a home stereo system in like a thousand CDs and we're giving you a Spotify membership and everyone's celebrating. Yeah. Oh my God, that's a really cool stereo. Whoa. Yeah. And it's like, well, oh. how much is that? I don't know. Like, have you ever, this? Uh, I, how much is a stereo these days? Like that doesn't really pop into yeah. your mind that often. Yeah. Or, and I mean, Price is Right is about trying to, to put it in very materialist terms to term to turn use value into some sort of exchange value. And I think that a lot of times in Wheel, it is exchange value is the only thing that exists in its uh, cosmology. Like, well, well think about this. Think about, about this. this. Price but... is right. You don't really buy things on that show. On Wheel, you are well, almost you... encouraged to buy vowels. Yeah, and I mean, I mean looking back at how... Uh, Wheel of Fortune was originally made, the wheel wasn't actually a prominent part. The show was called Shopper's Bazaar. Yes, the pilot Shopper's Bazaar. Let's get to the story. Are you ready for Jordan's story time? Yes. So you've heard of Jeopardy, right? The big answers and questions game show. 
No, uh, I haven't. You're you're gonna have to uh, clarify to me. Do people get pick a category and the value, and then they answer in the form of a question like "What is or who is?" They get the money. This came out oh, of the I'll, game I'll show scandals research. of the 1950s because, oh no, this mm. is so controversial. The game show's giving you the answers. And then as the twist, oh, but you have to tell us the questions. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, oh yeah. And this did not exist. With, this was pre-Trebek. This was the Art Fleming yes. era Jeopardy. This is the Art Fleming, uh, is, it, is it late 50s or early 60s? I, I know late 60s and, and then it ends in the 70s. So it, it had like a good 12 year right. run. Yeah. And Merv Griffin was like, well, now what's my next game show? I don't I don't really know what. Hangman. Yeah. We'll do Hangman. Yeah. <laughs> and his, yeah, and- he, it became this, like, uh, well, we have to make a roulette wheel because something like Vegas will be fun and exciting. And yeah. then in the most backwards, like, I guess somewhat sexist way was, well, you know, we need to attract a female audience with this show. We don't want to make a, it just a male-dominated sphere. So let's add shopping to the mix. Yeah, and it's it's so bizarre because you're saying that it's a, like a a Vegas kick to it because it has a giant wheel, but everything outside of the wheel in on the set for Shoppers Bazaar looks like a, like a Midwestern Shoppers Bazaar. It's like hokey. There's macrame everywhere. It's like the like the oldest sort of family feud set. It's have, a like, very oh like like on. if we just went to like it's Carol John John Jr Michael and Fee ready for action <laughs> like that little set that Brendan, little Brendan and Brandon yeah uh, the... no like like that's the, the... <laughs> and that was the pilot and it was an automatic wheel and you got to think like oh yeah. You have to like the wheel is spinning the entire time, and you have to ask to stop it. Which Big bucks, is, no whammy, stop. Yeah, and I mean, and I mean, we'll, we'll get to like I mean that was sort of how they like older, uh, some well newer than Shoppers Bazaar, but that's sort of how they treated the wheel to start with, where everybody is shouting as they turn the wheel, going "Come on, come on, come on!" And now it's uh, a very Modern Wheel is, I mean, I'll get into this Yeah, later, so then they maybe, did a pilot. After that, thing. they did another yeah. pilot for that show because, obviously, if you saw that, it would never have existed as a real TV show. Yeah, it's it's kind of, I mean, I can. it's one of those things um, where the entire pitch to the sh- for the show, at least to start with, is going to be this thing... Um, where they're saying, look at the possible ad revenue. And when you watch um, Shoppers Bazaar, I mean, this transfers into Wheel after that, but... Um, yes, with, with Cookie the as the host. Ed Burns did the other two pilots. Single, yeah, they, they pull the curtain, and then there's just every product that you buy all in one room, and every single, uh, every single inch of that frame is something that you can you can buy and you can buy at home what yeah, you just, buy yeah. is yours to keep no matter what happens on the show and that's the rule it was implemented in the later part of when wheel fortune developed uh yeah cookie hosted the show those were more those are the best hosted episodes because this was a guy who clearly does not know how to host a game show but was so yeah. like energetic like the the categories were not like old like Wheel of Fortune were familiar with like phrase or thing or or like who am I? This was like we're looking for a thing to eat. <laughs> yeah, spin the wheel. 
200 dollars and i mean like, that's i think the only person who's ever managed to keep that sort of energy for that long is like chuck barris or something where it's like, yeah and then yeah. they went that's too much energy we need to downplay this can we get chuck woolery on the line yeah good old good old uh charismatic lovable chuck Hi there, it's me, Chuck Woolery. Uh, do not look at my Twitter bio at all. Do not look at my Twitter bio. Do not ask me what ethnicity uh, Lenin or Marx are. Hey, just I just want to let you guys know, I know what communism looks like, and let me tell you, it's basically saying police brutality is bad. Yeah, and I, I think the thing that is so fascinating about Woolery is, yeah, he is an asshole and all of that, but he's... Um, everything that says and like puts on his Twitter is so boilerplate MAGA stuff that it's so difficult to actually uh, pick apart something that is, he's an asshole, but there's so little that's unique about his assholishness. I mean, when I, I, when I was reading up on some of the Woolery stuff, I, even the, his co-host on that, his, his show is called Blunt Force Truth, which is so... Instead of blunt force trauma, you get it, you get yeah. it, ha ha ha. And it's like, is that what you want to associate your program with? We're going to give you so much, uh, so much truth that you're going to get a concussion. And, and like his co-host, he, I looked at his bio, and one of the things he calls himself is a longevity expert, uh, which I think is probably the cleverest way I've heard of somebody saying that they're old as shit ever. <laughs> like. <laughs> Like, if I'm going to, I don't want to, when I'm that age, I don't want to order from the seniors menu at Denny's. I want to order from the longevity expert uh, menu at Denny's. Longevity as expert? Be, uh, don't listen yeah. to uh, health guidelines. Eat whatever you want. Don't care. Yeah. Like, I'm, and I mean, For, that's the... Eat as much bacon as night, you yeah. like. That's a violation yeah. of your 1A rights. Yeah. And I mean, when you look at... Uh, I don't, I, the last time I looked at, uh, Woolery's feed, uh, there wasn't anything about the, um, uh, the George Floyd protests, but the most recent thing was he was on the whole reopen coronavirus is, uh, overblown sort of kick. And it's like, again, so predictable that there's so, there's so little to actually figure out about him like it's he is what he is and there's it's he's tough to talk about because there's uh there's little room for interpretation even some real uh conservative psychos you can at least try and do like a freudian um like a freudian analysis or something like he's like this because he's got this uh underlying um complex in how he in how he acts but Woolery stuff is like I said; it's so boilerplate. It's it's very it's, bad MAGA stuff to the point of it's like just yeah. like, uh, like I I I it I I've led to believe it's because first of all, like he's obviously getting old there. He's a, he's out with age. Yeah. And sure. uh, what happened is, if I'm going to assume he wants to keep doing game shows and still do his dumb thing. The last game show he hosted was a Think Like a Cat game show sponsored by Whiskas Cat Food oh, <laughs> on GSN. Geez. And it became kind of like that was his last deal. And then they brought back Lingo, which was like one of his other last game shows he hosted. 
and they decided mm-hmm. instead of getting Chuck to host it, they they got uh, blue collar comedy guy Bill Engvall to do it, and I think that's what sent him over the edge. <laughs> Jeez, because now I think because now he's on a big ageist kick. Like this, they're just ageist because I'm old. They and it's like I'm pretty sure maybe GSN just didn't hire you because you were an asshole to some people. <laughs> yeah, and I mean it's even watching like those early Woolery Wheel episodes. He's such an awkward presence. It is it. like there's. I we I went into this in detail. Chuck is not the best on on this. He's good at Scrabble. He's definitely good at Love yeah. Connection. This is not yeah. his show. Yeah, I mean, he he doesn't actually like his bio doesn't ever doesn't mention Wheel at all. Which it you would is think because like, like that, you were the first Wheel of Fortune guy. You were Wheel of Fortune. Spin the wheel. Uh, call the letter. If it's up there, you get the value of the wheel multiplied by how many letters are on the puzzle. If you solve the puzzle, you yeah. bank the money and you can use it to go shopping in one certain center in the store. One's like electronics, mm-hmm. one's like furniture. Yeah. Whatever you buy is yours to keep. And then you can put the rest on service merchandise or on a gift card. On a gift card, which was always the, look, we, we've got... You've got this extra money, but we can't give you the money for tax reasons. Basically, we and don't I mean, have. Uh, like, this is all product placement. Uh, uh, sorry yeah. about this. They're for product placement, and you know we can't really give you money. We'd rather give you these prizes so that we don't have to deal with like the tax stuff. So even the leftover money is on a gift certificate. It's on a gift certificate or service merchandise. And the iconic thing about uh, the shopping era of Wheel was the ceramic Dalmatian. Right. That's the Flacati rug of the show, is this crappy little ceramic Dalmatian. Yeah, and it's like always the, oh, we've got to fill space. We need the, like, if you've got, like... 40 bucks, like, left. Ah, sure. (laughs) Wasn't there the... Didn't there used to be, like, a a porcelain pig or something yes yes well. a porcelain pig they had all sorts of like the, i think the, at one point they were doing it as like almost like a pseudo gag like we know you have like money left and don't have anything else so yeah. just like this is the <laughs> and then well it... the th- i think is with the uh the current age of the average wheel watchers they probably love that because it's they've already got the shelf full of porcelain trinkets already there's <laughs> one more they... thing to add to the they know, could either that like Either that or you're like a Jeff Koons fan or something, but I don't think they follow that. <laughs> so they buy so then they buy the stuff, they put in the merchandise, what they buy is what they keep. Uh they could also there was a space called buy a vowel where they can buy a vowel instead of you just call it. Uh there was a space mm. called free spin, which gave them a free spin. If they screwed up, they can use the token. Uh and there's star prizes, which is what they get to pick what they want to play for in the final round. In the original mm. final round, they never got the RSTLNE for free. They were said pick five consonants in one vowel, and that was it. it was so yeah, trippy. and then everybody said RSTLNE anyway, and so they gave up. It's the most common just, letters, and like, fuck, okay, yeah. fine. Uh, and now what? <laughs> yeah, all these people, like you know, even back then, going like. They're min-maxing Wheel of Fortune like it's an RPG or something. <laughs> How dare you? We have to buff the show now. Yeah. So uh, we, yeah, I will quickly say... the Wheel the, of Fortune like Mario Kart DS. I will say, however, one of the good things that come from the Chuck Woolery era wheel with all the shopping and like they were promoting all the hundreds of thousands of dollars of merch is Susan Stafford. 
the original letter oh, turner, yeah. Susan Stafford, was not Vano originally. It was Susan Stafford, and she has a star on the Walk of Fame uh, mm-hmm. to show for it. She is actually like a decent person. <laughs> Go figure. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, like that's there's always. I think that with lots of these things, especially with game shows, there are always these decent people who have to sort of sit and uh, smile and clap, Susan. Smile and smile clap. And clap. And it's like they, in, like, even now with uh, modern Wheel of Fortune, where there's the credit sequence, uh, I wouldn't call it banter, more like patter between uh, Pat and Vanna. Oh, let's and replicate some of that Pat great award winning banter. Yeah. And Pat occasionally mentions, like, oh, yeah, last time that we, uh, we and uh, me and my wife came to your place for dinner. And I just can't imagine how awful having dinner with Pat Sajak. <laughs> he'll try like, to do, like, jokes. You know he'll try to be the cracking jokes guy, like yeah. a funny dinner guest, you but open. all his jokes are, like, from Milton Burles, and he kind of missed the punchline. Yeah, and you open the door, and he's already blowing c- cigar smoke in your face before he's even crossed the threshold. You know, a couple of Jews it's... walk into a bar. Oh, God. There and... was one that I... There... <laughs> and then it's like, and then what? <laughs> Milton Burl jokes that I was looking at just a while ago. Strangely enough, it's right above a picture of him and his buddies uh, smoking cigars like a, like bosses. Um, <laughs> but he posted uh, this on Columbus Day, uh, and it says, "On this holiday, I can't wait to go to." Uh, let me because <laughs> I want to get the wording because I want to die. You don't want to do a pat and just. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm going to my favorite. It's posted on Columbus Day. I'm going to my favorite Los Angeles area Hallmark store on this holiday just to see how they managed to rhyme indigenous. Now, there's a lot of things. Firstly, you know, this sort of mockery of indigenous people already just uh, pretty mean and cruel and everything. But you're gonna, I'm Canadian, like who better than a Canadian to talk about Americans game. But one thing, do Americans actually have Columbus Day greeting cards? No, we have don't. Have you ever seen one? I've so, never seen, well, I've seen a uh, poster, like here's like a drawing of Columbus made by like, school kids. But other than that, like, yeah, no. Then, yeah. <laughs> Nobody co- goes with a card to somebody's house saying, Happy Columbus Day. Me and the guys are going to get together for Columbus Day and have the uh, the traditional Columbus Day ham. The, uh, <laughs> you know, it's the old Columbus Tide tradition. <laughs> yeah. We all gather and around so, and watch Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> yeah. And so, one, uh, the, so strike one. Also, he's going to his favorite Los Angeles area Hallmark store. Are there such things as Hallmark stores? I always thought you got credit, just you got their cards at like supermarkets and shit. I mean, there is a Hallmark stores. That's where you buy those like Christmas ornaments at Christmas time and Valentine's okay, Day cards. But I mean, the point stands that even beyond just being like a really, it's one of those things where it's like. You can't, it's difficult to get offended by the actual sentiment in the joke because the joke is so mangled to begin with. You go, oh, you, you can't, you can't blame him. He's got something wrong with him. <laughs> oh, he's just being stupid. That's all. Yeah. He's just being stupid. He's got, and I mean, the thing is like, 
I can't, I don't know who I'm more offended. I, I guess I'm more offended by Woolery. Uh, you can't be I, well pat is just a uh he's a blind he's conservative like he's he he clearly yeah. tries to have the moral compass when he needs to but he's one of those like mm-hmm. political correctness run amok i don't think he's like ultra maga dude trump i think uh sajak is more of like well like i will donate to california gop and hope my people mm-hmm. get elected and and i'll just uh, move on i just don't want to pay more taxes that's all i just don't want to pay more taxes i'll be okay with limiting civil i just don't want to pay more taxes that's all i think it's the i think it's just the snark that makes it more like the fact that he's trying to present himself as a a clever smart guy when he says things like Imagine how hashtag activists could have altered world history with movements movements like hashtag hands off Sudetenland or hashtag Attila is not my hun, which is like again just some like yes it's yeah, the thrown out yeah. My favorite Any was uh, the only funny thing that I actually laughed at Pat Sajak mm-hmm. uh, was a somewhat uh, racial joke he made about himself. And it was, I think the, if I'm going to screw it up correctly, was, you know, they say you are what you eat. Well, then I must be a vanilla cracker. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And I'm like, I okay, that's actually with a name like, I thought with a name like Sajak, he would try and go off on those awful sort of screen door and submarine jokes about Polish people. Oh, he probably would backstage, but... He's mostly notorious oh, now for, like, drinking and with Vanna. And, yeah. like, clearly, like, you can tell, like, the Thursday-Friday episodes are a real laugh riot. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, the thing is, like, Thursday-Friday episodes, I guess. But, I mean, they film, like, how many seasons in a day now? Uh, they that it's, fil- like, how so they tell what is a Thursday or Friday They episode. film five episodes a day. And they, like, go day to day, change the set. After, like, two days. because yeah, usually- I mean... I mean, I I know that's true, but I mean, I'm they're still putting out um, uh, wheel episodes now, and they have that little um, disclaimer at the bottom saying this episode was filmed before the international health crisis, and you, know, <laughs> you look at your watch, and it's it's June, Pat. How many episodes did you have stockpiled? Oh, they this they stockpile a lot of episodes. Early. Yeah, if you, if you think about it, like I would to give Wheel of Fortune a plus, it's one of those shows where they don't have to do a lot of stop tape. They really could just like yeah. fill in twenty minutes, like spin the wheel, call the letter. Oh, we're in round two. Yeah. We already fixed the board. Spin the wheel, call the letters. Okay, you solved it. Round three, spin the wheel, call the. <laughs> And this is one of the things that I think sort of makes Wheel, uh, for a lot of its its flaws and hokiness, there is something about how, like, I don't, there's probably a better technical term for it, but I the way I think about game shows sometimes is that there are shows that are very high friction and shows that are very low friction. And that's not really a description of the quality, because I'd say... Both Wheel and For- of Fortune and Jeopardy are both uh, really low friction shows in the sense that you can just run the game through and the rules of the game can sort of just, um, you can just sort of glide on the rules and the play of the game. Like you can, with Jeopardy, you can uh, just go question, 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 question. And I mean, compare that to something like 
uh, millionaire or. Um, oh, we have to do a klaxon. Oh, we ran out of time. Can you come back tomorrow? Yeah, and like my nightmare, my nightmare version of a show is Wheel of Fortune, but produced like Deal or No Deal. Okay, because, I know where you're going at with this. Yeah. All right. We'll find out if there's any T's in this puzzle. Will, this is important. I need you to spin the wheel. Spin the wheel right now. Click a click a click a click a click a click a click. That is five thousand dollars. Pick a letter. What are we? What letter are you picking? Well, Pat, I I don't know. I mean, I could go with an S, and there could be an S in this puzzle. It could be. Could be but an there S. could also be a T in this puzzle. Or there could be neither. Now, you... remember, Will, you've also got the option to buy a vowel whenever you need to. You can buy a vowel. Yeah. It will cost you 250 but we need a decision right now. Or five minutes from now. <laughs> oh, great. You picked S. Show us the S. Reaction cam, back to Vanna. Reaction cam, back to Vanna. Bing! One S. You've made $250. <laughs> the episode ends and there's about like $500 in total has been. Oh, no, it could be worse. I, I, I thought I could figure out a way it could be worse because you're going with How? the deal or no deal. It could be fifth grader. Are you smarter than fifth grader? <laughs> Coming oh, up, Will, you got $50,000. Yeah, he's going to win some money. <laughs> But can he solve the final puzzle? R S T L N E. <laughs> Wait, but there's two other contestants left. <laughs> you already oh, spoiled the outcome. On and on, yeah. It's yeah. I, I mean, that is. It can. It is like all in the production to some extent. I mean, like I said, like there are good high friction shows. Like I, I mean, uh, I'd say that Let's Make a Deal is a extremely high friction show because it's. Uh, you know, it's mostly games of chance, but you've got somebody who can actually banter and make jokes and you've got a live band and everything. Uh, and so there's like enough to keep it going. But, you know, I think that with Wheel of Fortune, if there was anything in the way of just spinning the wheel and um, uh, and calling out letters, that show would just immediately fall apart. Like you can't have any sort of drama going on in wheel beyond the possibility of a bankruptcy or else that show would just be just a chore to watch absolutely i mean as it stands now you can watch you know wheel is practically designed to be watched muted like you put it up in a bar tv in a spirits bar if there's nothing playing and you, that's a new like, feature they we put up. As far as to just show the letter that's been called in the bottom. The bottom little circle right L. Corner. That's actually why. They actually yeah. did it to help people, like, if they're in bars or noisier areas, watch the show uh, and still play along. Well, for a second, I thought they were trying to help people with uh, hearing difficulties. They actually, that's also the reason, too. Purely. That's also okay. the reason. Because a lot of times when you do the closed captioning, you just see the L, but it quickly gets deleted in front of Pat going, yep, there are two L's. Bing, bing. Yeah, I'm just... I'm just maybe I'm just imagining 
I treat it as if Pat Sajak is the uh, is the producer of the show. Or something. Oh no, no! But somebody asked somebody saying, "Hey, Pat, we need you to change the show so that we can make it easier for deaf people to watch." And he that... goes like, "Nah, screw that!" And then somebody comes right after, goes, "Hey, can you do that so people in bars can watch this show easily?" And he goes, "Yep, no problem. Here we go. Rubber stamp that." Well, you're in luck though. Original uh, Harry Friedman was the showrunner post. Merv Griffin in the 90s, mm-hmm. 2000s, and he's got an yeah. against world record. Most game shows produced. He has like the world record. He retires yeah. this year. This was his last season. Go figure, ending on oh, the COVID 19 wow. season. Jesus. Um, that's a hell of a way to go out. But no, he like, was apparently it. like. He's in charge of COVID 19. Yeah, this is like, imagine, like, thank you for 40 years of service. We love you, Harry. Best of luck. And this is the way I'm we're going out. It's like Pat Sajak getting sick and Vanna has to take over for a week of shows. And yeah, Jeez, yeah, it, it has been a I really don't want to say it's been a roller coaster because it's Wheel of Fortune. It but is. It's like, yeah, quite a spectacle. Uh, and now uh, next season, uh, it's going to be Mike Richards who takes over. He was the cre- he was the show runner for Price is Right. And let's make a deal. Okay. So there's well, going I mean, to be, I a- guess. Nope. So I think he's going to end up like taking the show over and probably making the show more vibrant, which means I'm going to get a whole lot of hate yeah. mail from like the wheel watchers community. Like, yeah. no, they made the set yeah. brighter and colorful and they're giving away things that are a trip in a va- car and a vacation. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Well, like I said, since everything is exchange value in wheel, when you win those, uh, when you win those trips to begin with, it just immediately gets transferred into, well, that trip is worth $8,000, so now you're ahead in the board. Like, yeah. none of the cruises that people are winning in these uh, in these ep- current episodes are... All any real cash value these days. Zero dollars, yeah. Uh, Nobody's going on those. So, so but it's like, okay, the cruise, like, winning a prize puzzle is basically a good way to get a good chance to get to the final puzzle and that's about it so just to dethrone back like uh, in turn, sorry yo go, go on you can go on uh i was going to dethrone back yeah. to the 80s and just like finish off the 80s and the surge of wheel of fortune uh after oh, yeah. chuck you- they did daytime prime time uh pat of course became the new host but before that there was a daytime version with bob Gowen, who was entertainment tonight and i would say the best host of wheel of fortune was bob Gowen. And okay, at one I, point, San Diego supercharger himself, Roth Bernetschke. <laughs> I'm sorry, I know nothing about football. <laughs> so just imagine a tall dude just being yeah. stoic and going like, spin the wheel. Oh, that's good. That's that's there. You got 500. Okay, there are two R's. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, versus Bob Gowen, not... who was like host, like he was a game show host on Wheel of Fortune. Like, oh, give that wheel a spin. Yeah. And I mean, this, that's the thing with one of those things that I think why Pat still manages to uh, have the, like, the, the cachet that he does, I suppose, partially because he's run the show for so long, but it's also that he knows not to produce any friction. Like, it's the difference between, oh, yeah. you know. The, the you, host friction, the, uh, it's round two, spin the wheel. That's it. <laughs> that's all he yeah. says. Like, the category is place. And I mean, you can you can either go no, there's no ends, or you can go no, I'm sorry, there's no ends. How terrible! 
Yeah, just like just and, no, don't care. Just move on. I mean, that's what they thought they were doing when they made the like, you know, the when original they hired him like to. Wheel, you've got people basically doing the uh doing something akin to the no whammies, no whammies. No bankrupts, uh, no bankrupts, no lose of turns. Yeah. Well, yeah. theirs is just big so, money, big money. That's all they say is big, big money. money, big money. Or uh, like the thing is like I kind of wanted to talk about with some of the international wheels because some of them still have that. I, with the with the Australian one, there's a lot of them where they're spinning the wheel and they're just going top dollar, top dollar, top dollar. Oh, like the Australian version, million dollar wheel of fortune, yeah. uh, the yeah. UK wheel of fortune. Oh, geez, now we're getting into like weird, crazy, fuzzy territory here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I won't get too deep into it, but one thing I want to say about those versions of of wheel of fortune american wheels like actual wheel is is good like the sound when you when you spin the wheel it's it thumps it's got some bass to it there's some wood awesome. it's wood and there's a microphone there's, underneath yeah and i mean they always say the wheel is heavier than it looks and it is no it, it really is i'm not kidding <laughs> i span that wheel yeah, it and is I mean, and you don't want that wheel to because you don't want that wind to wheel to spin for too long like you want to let it do one rotation or else you're uh like in the uk ones where uh it just quickly is, clacks for like uh, three and a half minutes <laughs> it goes for three and a half minutes it's and bradley like, walsh uh, is just sitting there like oh man i hope i'm in doctor who next season yeah and the wheel sounds like somebody's put a playing card in the spokes of a bicycle wheel. <laughs> it's so lame. It sounds terrible. Holy and it just goes on forever. And it's, it's like, I think at the very least, one thing that when you think about Wheel of Fortune and you give it the, uh, the descriptors of how it looks like a Vegas um, casino a lot of the time and there's a bunch of uh, numbers flying around and you're getting, you know, fifty thousand dollars for saying T. Well not fifty thousand. Well they're not getting fifty thousand. That's that, oh, yeah. maybe if yeah. there was like a prime time version. But you'll get a whole lot of uh, you know, you get a bunch of money and it's like um, almost um, like it, it's trying to play up the uh, qualities that that it has. A, a so Las Vegas feel. Yeah. And so when you look at the objective description of Wheel of Fortune, you imagine that it's something out of uh, like a RoboCop dystopia, um, you know, I'd buy that for a dollar type of TV. And it's not that because, it, you know, Pat and Vanna are so sedate about the whole thing at this point. Foreign Wheel is not that. A lot of international Wheel of Fortunes are absurd because... Uh, you know, the game show culture there is already absurd. I wanted to mention this because I just found out about it today. The last episode of Portuguese Wheel of Fortune, <laughs> the host came onto stage, onto the stage wearing aviators, a leather jacket, and a loaded shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> and, um... During the entire show, he would take the shotgun and they had their sort of shopper's corner with some electronics and stuff. And he would just blow holes into TVs, into rice cookers, into uh, VHS systems. And just, you know, and everybody uh, else on the stage just had to put their 
fingers in their ears every time that he just you know blew away another uh, another prize. It's escape to Portugal like, week on Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> yeah, and it's like it's It was the most tenuous reason possible for this guy to uh, just blow away the set for for no like because it was the last episode. He he, he says like, oh yeah. Because it's the last episode, I'm uh, dressing as the Terminator because hasta la vista, baby. But really, <laughs> that dude that, kicks ass. He's yeah. I gotta rem I gotta find out his I, name. I got the I, link. I, I got. Oh, you mean like the host, Herman Jose? Yeah, I'll, I'll, Herman Jose. Yeah. Yeah. Rhoda da Rhoda da Sorte. Oh jeez. So yeah, I just this morning I I found the found the clip and started uh, pointing, uh, you know, posting pictures of this guy just walking around a Wheel of Fortune set uh, with a shotgun. Just... And he's just standing next to next to the contestants in, yeah, where Patch Sajak would stand, just pointing the shotgun in the Now, air. can you imagine, like, the Wheel of Fortune contestants doing, like, the whole uh, call-in round and then, like, just that going on? It's our toss-up route. <laughs> All right, you got $1,000. Hi, Pat. My name is Kimberly. I have a lovely husband and two gorgeous kids and one wonderful cat named... Oh. <laughs> it's not a cat anymore. It's it's cat food. Uh, like hi, hi, Pat. I, I'm George. Uh, I have a lovely boyfriend named Caesar. Look at you, I got uh, balls of steel. <laughs> Oh, uh, I'll move on now. <laughs> Hi, I'm a college student named James, and I have a lovely mom in the audience today, and Balls I... Steel. <laughs> Duke Nukem does the wheel of fortune. It's... Oh, wait, no. it's time to kick ass and buy vowels, and I'm all out of vowels. Vowels of steel. Vowels, 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 vowels. Vowels, vowels, vowels. Yeah, it's. And the thing is that this guy is. I don't. Know, he's he's not unhealthy, but he is like in the in the pictures of him. He's like, uh, yeah, he's not a svelte guy. He's he's pretty normal. But with the aviators, he look doesn't look like you know Terminator. He looks like Jim Jones. <laughs> That's that's why it's it's it would be disconcerting if it wasn't so if it wasn't like as I described it some guy bringing a shotgun to Wheel of Fortune and blowing away the TV set. Alrighty, let's get to a Wheel of Fortune. Here's what the format is: If you've never seen Wheel of Fortune before, uh, Pat Sajak, former weatherman of, of NBC Los Angeles, and Vanna White, yarn salesman extraordinaire. Uh, enter the studio, wave, wave, wave. We get a toss-up for $1,000. We get a category, and then all the letters pop up really quickly. You bring in with a little signaling device like on Jeopardy. You solve the puzzle mm -hmm. by figuring out what it is. You get 1000 bucks. We get the introductions. Hi, Pat. I have a kid. I have a husband or wife, and I have a lovely kid mm -hmm. or pet. We move on to all three. And then you go to the second toss-up for $2,000. Uh, that mm -hmm. gives you the right to spin the wheel first. Yeah, it's, I think it's, I understand why, but it seems so weird that there's a second toss-up. It's just like this weird way to break up the the patter, I guess. 
And then we get to, and then there's weird wedges. And I feel like this is like, I have to like speed through every wedge ever on Wheel of Fortune. Oh, God. (laughs) So deep breath. Here we go. Deep breath. The original, okay, the current ones, currently, free play. If you land on free play, you can call any letter on the board or solve the puzzle free of consequence. Vowels are free, you don't cost any money, so if you call it there, if it's any other letter like a consonant, which is not A-E-I-O-R-U, it's worth $500. Mm-hmm. There is the prize. There's usually a featured prize on the board that has a nice little video stream. Usually it's a trip somewhere. You have a, a gift card, courtesy resort. of Iglin's Best or Kmart or Walmart or some other endorsement that's $1,000. Beef bucks. Yes, you got V bucks here. Uh, uh, Raid Total Legends. Not V bucks. Beef bucks. Though I guess that a Fortnite tie-in is uh, inevitable. Inevitable at this point. Half car. If you land on the beep beep, you get the beep beep noise. Although sometimes they get rid of the beep beep. Uh, you, you land on it, you pick up the I half the car beep, wedge. Beep. If you get two of the half cars, you get a full car. You solve the puzzle, you win. Uh, there's the wild card. Like- if you land a wild card and you solve and you call a letter, you get a wild card, which lets you give Pat a card and you can call the letter again at the value it's worth. So if you hand on the big money at like 3,500, because that's usually the top money amount, you're you can call another set of letters for 3,500. Or if you save it till the end and you win the show, you get one extra constant in the final round. But mm. be careful if you lose it. If you bankrupt, you lose that wild card. Oh no. Mm-hmm. Uh, there well, is the express wedge okay. round. If you land on the express wedge, you call a letter, you get $1,000, and you can decide if you want to stop and keep spinning the wheel or if you want to take the express. When you do, a big train shows up, and Thomas the Tank Engine puts you on a magical whirlwind of cash and prizes. Also, you have to keep calling letters or buying vowels at the regular state of 250 or or $1,000 each. You have to solve the puzzle correctly, and you can win all the money. But be careful. One mistake, and you automatically bankrupt, and it's the next person's turn. I bet there's some really lazy guy at the who's writing the puzzles who goes, don't do that. I only want to write, like, four puzzles per episode. If you do that, I'm going to have to write five puzzles per episode. The mystery wound. There's $1,000 on a wedge, but the one has a bankrupt and one has $10,000. Originally, it was a car, but now it's $10,000. Why? I don't know. Gambling, budget, something. Money. Money, because sounds like a good. Yeah. And then everyone's because favorite round. Change value. And now everyone's new favorite round, the million-dollar wedge. Yeah. The million-dollar wedge, which has, I think, produced a million dollars, I think, twice four times in, four times know, in its four history times, sorry. which is but in the yeah. which is like okay that's good because it makes it rare yeah. but to win a million dollars on wheel of fortune you need to first spin the wheel have it land on the exact space where the million dollar is which is behind two bankrupts as well to the left and right mm-hmm. side you call a letter if it's in the puzzle you pick up the wedge you have to solve the puzzle now to claim the wedge once you got the wedge you must keep with spending and calling letters and make sure you amass enough money to win the show and be careful if you hit bankrupt at any time during the course of the episode you lose the million dollars in addition to that yeah. it turns the one hundred thousand dollar bonus round space to a million dollar space you have to spin the wheel and make sure it's a one in 24 chance that you landed on the million dollar envelope rstlne three constants one vowel and you have 10 seconds to solve it you can solve the puzzle and it's that right envelope you get a million dollars yeah i mean I, 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 if it was like a regular wedge and then uh, you had that abstract chance of getting a million, I could possibly get it. I mean, if there was like a regular uh, 
if it was always just a full-size wedge, because there, I guess there are one. But the it, fact that there's the one million wet, the w- little one million sliver between... Yeah, the this little sliver of a wedge. And then to yeah, make... And, and then, like, like, I gotta point this out, too. Then you have to hang on to it. <laughs> if you bankrupt, yeah. you lose. If someone has more money than you, you lose. So it becomes now a gotcha where if you got the million-dollar wedge, well, now all eyes are on you because you're the million-dollar contestant now. Can you win the million-dollar? Well, you gotta win the million dollars. You gotta see if you got the million. And yeah. it doesn't happen. Just imagining myself as as uh, a Wheel of Fortune player, uh, if I manage to get that super uh, slim... Um, slim sliver between two bankrupts. I wish that my prize wasn't just an abstract possibility of maybe winning a million dollars. I would really prefer if it was like a big number to call or something. Oh or no! Originally, it was, it was a ten thousand dollar cash prize. Yeah, uh... and I mean that seems better to me, even if it was like ten thousand that was not part of your tally for like whether or not you win the game. If it was just a wedge, and if you won the game, then you got the 10000 Oh, no, it gets worse, because there's, like, other wedges that have never been used ever before. Like, double play. It used to be in the 90s. You would call a letter, and it would be double the value. Then there was one thing called the yeah. jackpot round, which everyone still remembers, and it's like, oh, they got rid of it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Neat. Yeah. Uh, who can't forget about iconic things like the big money wedge, where it was just random money? Uh, just throwing out there it, it's yeah. like there's it's, so many different wedges and calls and puzzles and it's like that's Ooh. how they try and keep up variety on the show and sometimes it doesn't hold up yeah i mean it's i mean they've they've made it so that the wheel is the protagonist of the show it's the guy that it's it's got it's its name is over the door basically and uh you've got to keep on adding stuff to the wheel even if it doesn't uh necessarily always pan out i mean i'd say that i do kind of like the premise of express but um it's it's now try playing the video game version of this i went as i went faster than the video game oh yeah you always go faster than uh the video game actually watching the show because you don't have to fiddle with those uh digital keyboards and and now pat sajak would not even tell you what those wedges do it was like oh that's the wild card yeah you well, know what that means. You know what that means. It's, I mean, you you catch up on, onto it, but I mean, I can imagine somebody who's just watching Wheel for the very first time and looking at Wheel of Fortune like it's uh, Number Wang, the uh, Mitchell and Webb sketch. It's the Mitchell and Webb <laughs> Which was uh, based on uh, Countdown and a bunch four, of other... Four, four. Yeah. <laughs> Where it was just like, they never told you the rules, and that was the point. And now David Mitchell has like a long history of hosting game shows in the UK. He does, does it? Well, I mean, game. Sh- the, I, I guess for the sake of argument, I guess they are game shows. But I, I don't really ever think of like something like "Have I Got News for You" or something like that, where it is just um, the the points are are there, I suppose, but they're it's primarily there for you to. You know, it's it's all the stars are here. You get to see the celebs yuck it up. <laughs> it's all about seeing the hilarious jokey jokes. Uh, yeah, but no, like he was mean, the narrator for Beauty and the Geek in the UK. So <laughs> David Mitchell, Jeez, yeah, David Mitchell, no Matt idea. David Mitchell's voice. 
Oh, look at this beautiful well, lady hanging with the Star Trek nerd. Whoa. Yeah, I, it's, I mean, he, I, it's, he is omnipresent in a way that few uh, UK uh, celebrities are. It will now never be as big as that, but it happens. Yeah. So uh, then, okay, so then one of those three rounds, I think it's the third round is the prize puzzle. Because one's the express wedge, yeah. one is the mystery round, and then one's the, mm. the prize puzzle. And the prize puzzle is, to some people in the wheel watcher community, a golden snitch. Uh, yeah, that's, that's sort of what I was getting at uh, before. It's like that thing where it is a this, my thesis statement that uh, wheel is an advertisement for money more than anything. You see the ads for the prize that they won when they win the prize puzzle, but it immediately just snaps into being a certain amount of value and a certain amount of points. And if you win the prize puzzle, you have a real good damn chance of getting to that final uh, final puzzle. It's just like, oh, so if you land on a prize puzzle, it's basically a prize puzzle round means you solve the puzzle. Not only do you win your money, you win a fabulous prize with the clue being what is the the puzzle itself. So, you know, white sandy beaches. It's all, yeah, it, you just go into it going, like I'm imagining some sort of uh, uh, wheel wunderkind just um, going to a thesaurus for every word involving each. Adjective, noun. That's usually a, what what constitutes a Wheel yeah. of Fortune puzzle. Yeah. Uh, gooey fudge brownies. Yeah. Moist I, I, chocolate cake. Mm-hmm. I've in very recently I've been going over my head like uh, before and after puzzles but just making the uh making them as dark as possible like there's like a just a total veering off of uh veering off of tone so like i the main one that i thought of was uh for a before and after was um imprisoned at guantanamo bay leaf seasoning (laughs) and that's just being really it's like just being really grim and dark about it but this the fact that it's a before and after puzzle is two separate ideas that are shared by one word i'm guessing somebody who's a better uh comedy puzzle. writer than i am oh is no gonna they, be able to there's yeah. some of my friends who do like puzzles like this all the time so you're you're yeah. in a you're in a good situation here what up wrestler yeah but uh <laughs> just think of some really just think of some really vile things and then just like like it always has to be one that is like you're talking about a trip, and then halfway through, you're talking about like <laughs> I don't know, COVID or something, something grim. <laughs> uh, it's just uh... <laughs> sorry, I've taken this way I off would, the I'm rails. I'm thinking, I... oh, this is good. It's like thinking, like trying to think of like uh, enjoying a like delicious uh... meal, <laughs> and it's like no, it'll be something like mm-hmm. eating a tasty treat treat or hmm I, uh, I think one that I had that I was trying to uh, figure out like edit me if I'm umming and awing too much but um, it was uh, unauthorized use of lethal force of nature yeah woo do 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 just like yeah just do the just find some way to turn something awful into uh and, now like the, the the here's the the catch though 
you only have fifty-two mm-hmm. uh, screens on the show, so I don't know how that would right. fit. Uh, yeah, there. So it goes twelve, then fourteen, fourteen, twelve. Um, that's what yeah. makes up your fifty-two. Uh, it's it's kind of. I think like that should be something if I had to control the show. There were so many things that would change. That would be yeah. one of them. Yeah, a different a different sort of uh, board would probably make it different. And I mean, it really depends on the language, of course. Like if you look at something like a like Finnish wheel or something, I I can't count how many uh, how many squares are on that board oh, because you know every every basic term uh, every word is about twice as long as a uh, as an English word. You gotta think spaces and gaps and all that. What are you doing? Oh, yeah. What is this? What's that? <laughs> so, uh, I, in like whoever has the most money at the end of the, then just the triple toss up now, which I it's like a thousand dollars of three times. It's some bullshit thing. I hate it. Then, the, but then my favorite thing happens. It's my favorite part of the show. The final spin. Ding 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 ding. Yeah. Sometimes they do it immediately after the toss up, which is my favorite thing on the show because it's basically like a fuck yeah. you to the contestant. <laughs> Oh yeah, no. It's like it is the it is almost uh, in well not ingenious, but it is like not even hiding that we are trying. We are not going to bother to edit for time. Well, we you did. You saw. Going. You just saw the puzzle. You got three thousand dollars. You'll get to spin, and the category is things. And ding ding. Oh, that's how it means I get to spin the wheel. Fuck you, will. Vows are worth nothing. Constants are worth eight hundred dollars. A thousand at eighteen hundred dollars. Yeah, and it's yeah, and I I one of these things where I mean there are we've been making fun of wheel watchers, but there are some people who are like super granular about it. Like we talk. Oh yeah, there are people who like me. I I can dissect this show pretty well. Uh, what makes the show work is basic. Like the the too long didn't watch version of this episode is basically the reason people watch Wheel of Fortune is because they feel smarter than the contestants because they're seeing the puzzle and there's already like eighteen letters filled in, so they're screaming at the word. They're like, "You idiots! You don't know what this is." But in reality, they know what the puzzle is. They just want to get more money, but it takes so long for them to spin the wheel and call letters that that it acts as a misnomer. But the problem with the Wheel of Fortune is it's still very old. Both in the Vanna doesn't really talk except for in closed captioning provided by the following. And Pat Sajak's really almost quasi-bad dad jokes. Um, and they repeat their puzzles now like all the time. And they're all very old. Like the puzzles aren't like... I, I can only count with like one hand stuff that came out in like the last three years as a puzzle. You're not getting like... You're not going to say, like, Billie Eilish wins Grammy for Best New Artist as a puzzle. You're you're going to see... You're not going to see Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man. You're going to see uh, chocolate chip cookies over and over again. You're going to be seeing... Uh, listening to Sammy Davis Jr. <laughs> and it's just a frustrating thing. Uh, and I just don't understand what, what to do. That I've uh, noticed there are certainly wheel watchers who are like the stereotypical boomer that we've been uh, riffing off of. But there are those people who are super granular and go through every episode of wheel just so they can find all the final spins where uh, Pat accidentally lands on lose a turn or bankrupt because that's not supposed to happen. 
like you know they edit those out now because they want to speed the show up and it's like uh, like well it's obvious they edit it oh that sucks because i mean one of the things i mean like i said final spin is this uh it's almost like this fuck you where it's like yeah we're we're not really gonna bother editing the show for time we're just going to ding the bell once we're getting close to like 18 minutes or yeah, like that's actually that. probably where they, the I think maybe it's spin. 16 minutes now, but yes, 18 minutes in there, like, yeah, we're done. Yeah, we're done. Okay, go home. Go on, spin, call it. letters, solve the puzzle, don't give a yeah. shit anymore, just move on. Yeah. Like, the wheel doesn't that matter. Only makes sense. That would only, it only really makes sense if the, uh, if they were limited for time and the show was live and they had to do that, but... If you are if you are banking like five episodes a day or something, then you you could edit it if you wanted to. So me hearing that they edit out him landing on bankrupt just seems like you know either either do the fuck you or don't. <laughs> I just I they used to keep that in because it was always because yeah. Pat was because because Pat even though like we we've been digging at him lately, yeah, he is still a very funny guy. And one time like he yeah. hit three bankrupts, like bankrupt. Damn it bankrupt yeah. okay this is gonna be the one this is gonna be the one bankrupt and then he just i give up i'm done like i can't yeah. <laughs> i'm bad at this time to get the wine that's underneath this desk time to get the time for margarita mondays <laughs> yeah, the french uh but no like no the puzzles have been like outdated like i was saying like it's mm. just like chocolate chip cookies robert down yeah. there's no like robert downey jr's iron man there's no billy eilish wins best new artist grammy yeah and that's like a big well, issue i have it's like they should keep with the times and just so it doesn't feel like a rerun every time you watch a show this sounds like a uh this might sound like i don't know some sort of boomer sentiment but i think at some point Somebody is writing these puzzles and goes, you know how accelerated everything is? This episode's not going to air for six months. And who knows, maybe in six months, Robert Downey Jr. is going to be found out to be just a horrible piece of shit. Like, even more than we know. And so we can't have this. I'm going to uh, solve the puzzle. Louis C.K. in Louis. Yeah. <laughs> or like something it's like, yeah, Philip Spector's Wall of Sound. Solving the puzzle, Bill Cosby, America's funny man. Yeah. And I mean, one of the th I mean, one of the I think like one of the things that got you to contact me was like I had compiled like a bunch of re really weird clue puzzles. I think or wheel puzzles. Like the first clue puzzle I keep saying clue the well, it's a clue. The, the, the category fortune is a clue. Puzzle. So, yeah, the first Wheel of Fortune puzzle back when it was the Shoppers Bazaar pilot was Henry Kissinger, <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> and it's like the most horrible thing that you could imagine. Because I mean, there were plenty of people who hated Kissinger even back then. And on top of all of that, Henry Kissinger is just a dog shit wheel puzzle. There's like two. There's only two double consonants in the entire thing. Like, you'd expect them to do, like, I don't know, uh, even, like, American diplomat Henry Kissinger, just so there you could squeeze a little more money out of that puzzle. But um, I think the one, the one that had, like, the worst ones, I think, was uh, I went through Wheel of Fortune for Windows 3.0. 
because there's like uh, a boatload of these wheel games. And that was the one that had the uh, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas puzzle because they were just trying to fill as much as they possibly could into this game. And that's sort of what happens when you're trying to just have as many puzzles as possible. And if you're trying to be relevant, you start having those weird incongruous things. Um, yeah, actually, can I mean, we've, we've been bouncing all over the place, but uh, can I just say, out of all of the ones that, uh, out of all of the wheel video games that I've looked at and tried to find uh, just bad puzzles for, Wheel for Windows 3.0 is like the most uncanny and almost depressing to the point of avant-garde sort of things to look at uh, as far as wheel media is concerned uh, because there's nothing in that game that is uh, simultaneous. It's like when a chef deconstructs a hamburger and they go, okay, you're not allowed to have this meat patty until you drink this entire cup of mustard first. Where there's the pop-up spinning and all that (laughs) weird. Yeah, no, it's... It's like um, if you make a wrong uh, a wrong guess in in this game, you click the you click the letter, you get the buzz, then the buzz ends, then Vanna reacts negatively, like oh shoot. She ends the animation, goes back to the position she was in, then you see the contestant react negatively, snap back to where they were, and then it's the next person's turn to s- spin. So, like, there's all these actions that would take two seconds or less in regular wheel, but because they've been spaced uh, apart so much, this this basic uh, action takes about ten seconds instead. And it's like, it's wheel of fortune turned Brechtian, basically. <laughs> there's nothing about it that is... Uh, uh, appealing or uh, fun. It's like the most alienated possible version of Wheel of Fortune you could watch because it's it is like an alien's version of what they think Wheel of Fortune is because it's just like this happens and this happens then this happens but nothing actually happens simultaneous and so it is like about like three or four times longer than an actual episode of Wheel of Fortune would be. Like, even, like, they have the contestants uh, speak, like, there's, like, really badly compressed videos of the contestants uh, as they call letters. And nobody just says uh, R or T. They say something like, uh, yes, Vanna, I'd like very much to see if there are any T's on that board. Thank you. (laughs) Where's, like, all the other ones where it's, like, if there's, like, a fake contestant's, like, R, J. Q. Yeah. Thank you, Vanna. I would like to see if there are any S's on the board. Yeah. And it's just so... It's like they were really excited about being able to use, like, CD video technology or something like that. Because it's like, hey, we've got the real Vanna. There's no Pat. Pat has only ever been in one Wheel of Fortune video. The Wii version. Yeah, the Wii slash PS3 or 360, which came afterwards. And it is like that terrifying, uh, super deformed version where it's like we were trying to make something that was a more high-res me. And it just ends up, when you try and make, uh, when you try to give a me flesh tone, that's when you get into those like real-life Homer sort of territory. (laughs) Hmm. 
Ivan, I want to know if there are any cues in the puzzle today. Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, that version, like, Vanna has, like, uh, hands that are almost as big as her head. So I guess it makes touching the... Touching every letter, really. That's how, that's how it works. Um, yeah. So, uh, I guess we'll now go to the end, or the end part of, of the Wheel of Fortune episode here. Uh, yeah. What are some things they should do to change the show up? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm of two minds about it, because, like I said, the, I think uh, Wheel hinges on its ability to be frictionless. Uh, I mean, I suppose to that extent, I'd almost be... Um, tempted to say that there's more that you could do to speed up the show to some extent. Like if you had a whole lot of short puzzles uh, that were um, uh, each worth slightly less, but it, if you were able to like just snap through each question a lot quicker, you'd be able to have the show glide even faster than it did. And you would be, if it was like a new puzzle every you know minute or two, you'd be... Uh, focused on the screen a little bit more. Like, it would cease being a show that you would just watch uh, in the corner of your eye in a crowded bar. There could be something that you would actually look at. Does that make sense? That makes sense. No, that that works. That that actually works a lot for me. Uh, I had a whole lot of changes, and I made a whole article once. Uh, oh really oh yeah I wrote like thousands like this is one of those shows where it's like if I had control this would not be Wheel of Fortune people would be coming at me with like pitchforks pitchfork yeah yeah Uh, so I was trying to be like I don't know respectful of the of the grand institution of America's game so like um, here's what I wrote down Uh, first of all we get rid of the letterboard I think the letterboard is too short and I think we need bigger puzzles with bigger letters. Yeah. Uh, so you can say like United States Postal Service in, in like yeah. big font. Uh, so it's more yeah. like an LED screen. You mic yeah. up both the Vanna and the Pat so they both can talk. So it's like one says what the letter is and then Vanna knows like, oh, there's two R's. Good job. Yeah. So there can be more dueling banter because I think that's what's missing yeah. on the show because it feels like there's nothing really mesmerizing about the show i hate the fact that everything is played by numbers it's the well this Mm. round's always the jackpot round this round's always the express round this round's always the mystery round this one's always the prize puzzle there was if there was something skillful that a player could do that could sort of change the uh scenario a little more than just like you managed to land on the right space. Oh, no, I would still say that, but I, I think it should be like, well, the puzzles are all different, or the round changes, or there's a different gimmick yeah. in each episode. Kind of like on Price is Right, how there's like a dozen different games being played every episode. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's like no two episodes are ever alike because one has Plinko, yeah. one doesn't have Plinko. Yeah. So you can have like one where it's like, I don't know, like you can have like one round be the prize puzzle round, but then the next round we bring back jackpot or next round we do like a crossword clues with an actual big crossword because I hate that weird crossword that's going on now, which is like yeah. one, the downs are always four letters. Imagine if you can actually do a crossword puzzle where there's like multiple letters, like an eight letter word or a nine letter yeah. word. You yeah. would actually. And it's be- so bizarre because they, I think that that's what they thought they like, I think they were trying to do something that you were talking about, but you can't really do something, uh, like, you can't really have too interesting of a round if you are limited to, 
you know, 54 potential places. That's, that's the problem, Jordan. Your, your idea is too interesting for Wheel of Fortune. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's the, it's the, um, it's the, uh, people have been joking about Aaron Sorkin again, but it's like, your problem is that you're too damn smart and, and clever. <laughs> no, sir. It is you that is fired. Let me tell you. Uh, and then yes. I wrote down like oh, different God. gimmicks, like uh, one round's twenty six thousand dollars at the start, but for every letter called, you lose a thousand dollars. So you solve oh, the puzzle, yeah. you get a bank of like whatever money is left. Yeah, and I mean that's one of the things that um, uh, about toss ups is like people don't want to buzz too early because then they don't get a second chance. So if you had something where there was the temptation to sort of fly by the seat of your pants and get a uh, a one letter buzz like that's what i want to encourage because a bit more wild of a guess yeah because when i look at what goes viral on wheel of fortune it's either bad guesses or it's someone wins big money like a million dollars or it's someone solved with one letter on the board what (laughs) yeah or it's pat sajak and doing that uh yeah either pat sajak drinking wine on stage or uh did you ever see the thing where somebody got uh, a (laughs) scooby-doo Uh, themed answer and then uh, Pat Sajak tried to do a Scooby-Doo impression and it just sounds like he's choking. (laughs) Robert Brumbrum! Yeah, he says like, you know, congratulations, Steve. And by the way, (laughs) (laughs) Why is Pat Sajak beating a baby seal on stage? Yeah, it's really uh, it's really uh, uncanny to watch i mean that was like the the moment that i was gonna like talk about as like some embarrassing uh wheel of fortune moment but then lo and behold this morning i found oh yeah there's a guy who's just shooting television stuff on portuguese wheel of fortune that dude's a badass (laughs) um yeah so the uh if i had control the wheel besides doing the different letter board like making it like an led screen because look at how like technology evolved now you can actually have like a big yeah. video monitor uh i would also change the wheel up uh twenty five hundred dollars is the maximum you can get two thousand yeah. fifteen hundred thousand so there's four big mounts and then it goes in fifty dollar increments so nine fifty nine hundred blah 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 all the way down to five hundred vowels yeah. are now worth one thousand dollars i'm making it worth a lot of money screw yeah. you you're not you- gonna pay 250 for for a vowel anymore <laughs> yeah i mean a lot of times the vowels are the the dead giveaway so it's uh you know it has to be worth something like if you that a has to mean something uh i would get rid of the house minimum there's no like easy thousand dollars for solving the puzzle no toss-ups get rid of that Mm -hmm. uh no million dollar wedge i get rid of that yeah Um, if if you could just replace it with something because i mean it is so bizarre that it's like congratulations i took exactly what you said to heart I would make yeah. that the $5,000 space on the wheel. So therefore, yeah. it's bankrupt, 5000 bankrupt. So now you spin yeah. the wheel. If you land on that 5000 whatever letter you call is $5,000. Yeah, now you, you have stakes something. in the game. Now yeah. you have... Yeah. Uh, so everything... So now when you have the $10,000 mystery reg, well, that means something now because $10,000 is comparatively in mathematics the most you can get in this round. So now you're lowering yeah. the budget. I'm saving the show money in this regard. Yeah, <laughs> we don't have to do prize puzzles every so often. Yeah. Uh, we get rid of prize puzzles unless it's like a Friday special or something like that. We go yeah. to the bonus well, round. 
the bonus round is simply put just you double your money and we have a $25,000 jackpot as well. So like if you went in yeah. with like 15 grand plus 25,000, you're playing for 40 grand. If you solve it, $40,000. If you fail, well next episode $40,000 starts our show and then whoever wins that show has a chance to double plus 25. Yeah. And I mean, like one of the thing it's it is a, a sort of an odd holdover to some extent. Like you need to do something more with it cuz the uh because a lot of times those final rounds were designed with the idea that, well, this person is going to come onto the show the next time around. And then if they win again, they'll get another shot at, you know, this or that. Like it's um, like, have you ever seen Now You See It? Yes. Oh, yeah. Man. I, Chuck Henry's version of Now You See It. He no longer yeah. wants to have that show anymore. Um, yeah, I yeah, I, I really I. I like that to some extent, but I mean, the main, I, I really like that show, but one of the things that is, um, you know, that was just the example that left to mind where it's like, you're continuously playing for another chance to uh, get the big prize. I mean, I guess in a, a better version would be like match game where it's like, yeah, you're not really winning much money in the actual game. You're trying to get that uh, big money round right at the end. That's what I'm thinking, like, make that final round, like, a jackpot round. It's a jackpot puzzle. Yeah. You solve it, you win the money. Yeah. If not, it carries over to the next episode. Yeah. But then you think, like, well, if no one solves it, then that money grows and grows and grows and becomes yeah. hundreds of thousands, maybe even yeah. millions of dollars. Because yeah. you got to think five yeah. nights a week, no one really solves the damn puzzle. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, that gives some sort of incentive to keep watching. I think the one thing that might make uh, might make them bristle at that at this point though is that because they bank all the episodes and they don't they don't always play them in order that would uh i don't know uh, yeah that would actually be a, a that actually i never thought their, that it could actually yeah and then my it final uh and then my final thought with the show is it's called america's game like that's their big like spirit like we were america's game wheel of fortune but they never it's really show bizarre, America. Yeah. Have you noticed? Like it's all like destinations around the world. Like we're in Peru. Yeah. We're in Guatemala. Like it's it's yeah. not like they're ever in doing like on location except for Hawaii Week. So I think, yeah, or or Disneyland. They go to like Disney properties a bunch, obviously. So if I had control of the show, I would do two weeks of shows across country, like make live, like almost like Monday yeah. Night Raw, <laughs> just like the wheel is touring. Yeah. Oh God. We are I in St. Louis. We are in Las Vegas. We are in yeah. Seattle. We are in uh, Missouri. And just have two weeks of shows, like 10 episodes yeah. at each location. One that's like a non-gimmick five like episodes of just regular-ass solo contestants. Hi, Pat. I have a dog. And then your yeah. bullshit gimmick, Wheel of Fortune, Dads and Grads Week, or Food Lovers Week, yeah. or Flights of Fantasy, Dream Car Week, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I really like that idea of uh, taking Wheel around because a lot of, I mean, I, that would probably extend its appeal just in that it's not something that you go to when you're on vacation to California. Or yeah, like the that. wheel is on the road and we're here in New Orleans. Yeah. And, they, and, and, and everyone's is... like, wow, it's great. It's New Orleans week. Mardi Gras. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it is like one of those, I mean, when they do have some sort of America themed uh, thing in, 
Wheel of Fortune, it is always that bizarre sort of air sat set of it's still Culver uh, City. It's still Culver yeah. City, California. Yeah. It's not. And it just, yeah, it's like this weird, like super, a bizarre sort of very sterile version of Yellowstone National Park or something. But now imagine that wheel actually at Yellowstone National Park. That's what I'm visioning. I mean, they, yeah. And I mean, they, I mean, they disassemble and reassemble that set plenty to begin with. You might as well just make yeah. it portable. So when yeah. you have like if all you need is just the wheel and the podiums mm-hmm. and then the and then now the new light board and maybe a car or whatever, that's all you need. Yeah. Like, hey, now you can take that show literally anywhere. <laughs> I, I like the idea of it being like uh, it would be like a pro- I obviously it would be more professional in real life, but I like the idea of it just like we rented a U-Haul and brought our. Uh, <laughs> Our syndicated television show across the country. <laughs> we brought the show to you, Florida. Yeah. Uh, I, I, it's like all the... I'm just imagining Wheel of Fortune as like a carny show. But no, that's exactly what it should be. It yeah. should be carny. Yeah. <laughs> it shouldn't be yeah. like stagnant yeah, Sony mean, Pictures lot show. Yeah. That's... I mean, that's the type of chintziness that I'd be after. Not Vegas chintziness. Like circus chintziness. And that would be, like, fantastic. <laughs> All righty. Uh, before we get going, Will, we have one yes. final question for you. Are you up for this final question? It's real serious. Okay. Congratulations. You won $1,500 on Wheel of Fortune. You're in the shopping mall. What would you like to buy? Ah, is this the plug section? <laughs> well, you can plug uh, if you want I, to go for it. No, I, I'll, I'll plug in a bit like 50 like in terms of what i would like to yeah what would you buy with a 1500 dollars? okay well i guess i just for um just for the the sake of um of souvenirs i guess i would in actuality i probably would buy the porcelain donation okay porcelain donation um, all right okay um i guess i'd buy like I, I guess I'd buy a trip. I'd get a trip, and uh, I really don't have much of a need for a car, so I guess I'd probably buy electronics. <laughs> so that, so like that stereo right there is nice too. That little stereo. All right. Well, the that leaves you with one hundred and twenty-one dollars. Do you want to just uh, put that on 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 deposit, or do you want to use that as a gift card for service merchandise? Uh, I suppose I'd do the gift certificate. I have a very low chance of getting to the shopping center again. All right. Well, thank you. And that's going to do it, Will. <laughs> Where can, what would you like to plug? What would you like to promote? Okay. Uh, well, I there's a few things. I was almost, I had arranged this sort of in the, in the possibility that if, there, if we were doing that sort of question round, I'd have like a bunch of things that I could plug other than myself but uh I you can suppose... plug as many things as you like yep you get up okay. to five that sounds that's a, up to five that is the that was the number i was preparing for i've got um i suppose i'll be selfish and save two for me but number two uh number one i guess is me and and my twitter i'm chasm cave at twitter.com it's mortal Kombat spelling so k-a-s-m it's it's a long story. I don't really uh, want to go into how that name came to be. Cause you entered really the tournament. Quan Chi uh, decided to join you. Suddenly Goro showed up. Yeah. I yeah. And then somehow, yeah. 
I became Chasm K because I got a chasm punched through my chest like Kung Pao. Um, so that's my Twitter. I'd also like to, I guess, shill some of my writing. I have a medium, which is just attached to my Twitter. And there's some articles there that I, um, that were or- originally published, but unfortunately the, um, um, the website that was hosting them had to get shuttered. But, um, so I guess I, I could say I'm a published writer, but I'm more of a formerly published writer. But all of it that I've written still uh, holds um, holds true. It's still I still think it's all pretty good. So give it all a, a quick peek. I have a an article about Papa John Schnatter of all things. So everyone's uh, favorite pizza, but boy, everybody's favorite pizza boy. That uh, that um, pinnacle of class and taste. You know, Speaking he ate of, a lot of uh, pizzas once. Yeah, God. Uh, but yeah, it's it's about yeah. I've got an article about him and a lot of those weird pizza moguls that are ludicrously rich. Um, I've got um, a mutual follower of mine who uh, his name is uh, Nicholas Villarreal, and he helped me get uh, a good few things published. And he's uh, a really good writer in in his own regard. And so I wanted to just uh, give a shout out to an article that he just recently got published in uh, Palladium magazine called The Luxuries We Can No Longer Afford, which is, uh, it's sort of written in the wake of COVID. And it's a really really interesting look at um, sort of playing on what we think austerity is and what we think luxury is and what we think necessity is and i i I really like the the article itself uh and i think it's a worthwhile read um and i suppose i'd i mean just given the given the context of sort of the uh sort of what's going on in the u.s and in canada right now i suppose i'd like to just call attention to some uh bail funds the one I think I'd just endorse the uh, the split bail fund that's uh, uh, going on right now on uh, uh, Act Blue. I, it's the uh, it's you know Secure dot Act Blue. Uh, sorry, I've I've got it saved here. Um, donate slash uh, bail funds George Floyd with a underscore between all of those words it's a split bail fund that goes between uh, 70 different uh, funds uh, and organizers and i mean if you're if you want to do that but you want to get some stuff out of it there's the uh, uh that itch bundle that's been making the rounds right now the bundle for uh, racial justice and uh, equality and i mean if you want to support that that's also good just in the sense that uh you're supporting a worthy cause and getting a bunch of free shit out of the deal uh if you are so inclined and i suppose i'll take my last endorsement on uh gift certificate save it for later (laughs) all right gift certificate it is service merchandise all right yes service merchandise for plugs yeah there we go. Uh, Will, thank you so much again for stopping by and playing Will of Thanks Fortune. Thanks so much. Will of Fortune. It's it's America's game. Everybody loves it. Wouldn't it be Canada's game? And I just want to, well, Canada's game. I don't know if there's ever been 
a Canadian version of Wheel of Fortune because they've. Um, well, it's some a Quebec like, version. Oh, if they're going to do Canadian, it'll probably be a Quebec version, and then yeah. they'll have English speakers going down to America. Well, there was this dispute a few while, a few years ago. Um, like Canada always has this issue of um, whether or not Canadian TV is being sufficiently funded, or if there's enough space being given for Canadian content. And one of the things that always got the finger pointed at it was the CBC would uh, clear way too much of its time slots for Wheel of Fortune reruns, which <laughs> yeah wasn't Canadian at all. It was just like this cheap show that they could you know get the license for really quickly. Uh, and there was that was always the one where it's like you need to show something other than this if you're the CBC. I never do that. And, yeah, it's it was that or I mean. They would make the similar similar complaints about Simpson reruns, but I mean, The Simpsons is a show that you can actually sit down and enjoy, and like if it's a rerun, you won't mind. Um, yeah, uh, but yeah, I, I just wanted to thank you again for having me. I mean, we're talking about Wheel of Fortune. Glad that you picked me, a fifty follower nobody. Maybe I'll get something out of this. <laughs> again, K A Z uh, K A S M Cave. Yeah. K A S M K A V E. Uh, I, you know, I, my handle right now above that is like some uh, word play off of WarioWare. I've just been uh, fluctuating between a bunch of different uh, WarioWare names, puns, so that it's WillioWare. I think I might, I just might go and switch it to Will of Fortune for a little while now. Uh, when the episode comes out, maybe. <laughs> when the episode comes out, that would be really good <laughs> well thanks again <laughs> thanks again it was so good to be here thanks again to will for stopping by uh, i always I, I saw the video afterwards and i was busting out laughing just the host just like shooting televisions and blenders and just smiling and he shoots the puzzle board i i was just like wow they got away with a lot of stuff on that version uh, but yeah, the, like to to conclude, uh, Wheel of Fortune, and because it's just such an iconic game show, uh, there was a like for instance, Baskin Robbins had an ice cream flavor in 1996 called Choco Letter Crunch because America's game, that whole America's game aspect of Wheel of Fortune was because of the 96 Olympics, and they wanted to do it's the official game, it's America's game of the 96 Olympics, it's the official game of the nice. And they were sponsoring the Olympic Games, and Pat and Vanna did to do got to do the Olympic torch run, and and when it would when it became like it was turned the letters originally, when it went to the original screen board, that was innovative technology at the time, the touch screen design, and now the uh, screen, the touch screen is actually even more complex with HD screens, and. I, for me, there's a lot of technology in Wheel of Fortune that goes underappreciated on the show. Um, and it got me wondering, like, why can't you have that same technology of, this, of the wheel, like from the TV show Spin the Wheel? Like, can you have the Wheel of Fortune not be so cardboardy anymore? Can we have it be a digital readout and have cool flashy graphics on it, too? You're not, like, altering the graphics and changing where the wedges are. But you can change it so when someone lands on 300, it'll flash 300, for instance. Or if it's a bankrupt, it spins the letters bankrupt or something. 
I just want to see something like that in the graphics package, considering what we do have with modern technology. But I, I, I think that technology might be around right now or not. I'm still not sure. Uh, but going back to Wheel of Fortune, they had all sorts of things like red letter puzzles and what are you doing and fill in the blanks for $3,000. And the international versions, I was watching a lot of them over the weekend. And one of my favorites was this French version uh, because the way they handled it, they made it more like a party atmosphere. And it just like, to me, it's like, how come like every, like the French version, it's a toss up before every puzzle, the toss up winner gets control of the board. And then there's things like jokers that get to play into the game. Like you can steal an opponent's square. Uh, there's a jackpot in every round. We don't even have the jackpot anymore. Uh, and then we have like, then there's people who will talk about like the UK version because, oh, it's like, it's quicker money and more prize based. Cause if you solve the puzzle, you get a prize and wheel of fortune had a few, uh, hosts over the years in the UK from Nikki Campbell to Paul Hendy, John Leslie to some guy named Bradley Walsh, who's now doing something called the chase. I, I don't, I don't think that ever really, uh, did anything, but like it, it is one of those iconic game shows. And if it's not the French version, I like that Australian million dollar Wheel of Fortune for some reason. Just the, the way that puzzle board looks, the way everything is brightly lit. Because when that game show, the Million Dollar Wheel of Fortune came out in Australia, it's bright and purple and blue and looks like you are in a showroom. And it's not the classic game show. Now, I think the reason I get a little annoyed with Wheel of Fortune, and this is just, I think, my, my brain being wonky, is because originally Wheel of Fortune had the white linoleum floor, and then it converted to black linoleum. And when you switch from white to black, uh, I know it's just like, what, what the, it's flooring. What the fuck, Jordan? Who gives a shit about flooring? In your brain... Because, like, color theory. White represents the day, black represents the night. So a lot of game shows, when they're filmed during the day, intended for, like, morning broadcasting, the price is right, it's a white floor. And when it's something that's airing right around sunset, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, it's a black floor, because it's supposed to represent its nighttime. So I think that's why I made the switch over. And... It's not really good-looking sets. I hate to say this. Wheel of Fortune sets, the ba it's like basic uh, glassware font and, and LED lights. And when I think Wheel of Fortune, I think of tech. I think of Fortune. I think Vegas. I think flashy. And nothing about the set nowadays screams flashy. It doesn't even scream a casino. It screams... A game show, which is, I mean, it's still a game show as game show, but how many times are we going to have like shopping spree week and then I have to see the background uh, screen while, while the players spin the wheel be that of, uh, you know, Caruso developments like the Americana at Brand or the lakes in Thousand Oaks, California. Uh, <laughs> it just, it just feels like, um, it, it 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 there's not not a lot of passion shall we say on wheel of fortune 
And that's kind of my only complaint is I know that like Harry Freeman put his heart in Wheel of Fortune. It's one of his favorite game shows. It's such a looks like a fun place to work at because you're put you're giving away like shitloads of money more than any other game show I can think of uh, on a daily basis. Like one contestant can walk out of there with 50 grand in a single day. Multiply that by five days. That's a quarter million dollars. And keep in mind, everyone gets to keep their cash. This isn't like Jeopardy, where there's second and third place, and they get two thousand and one thousand. No, if you win the game, you get cash. If you don't win anything, you still get a thousand dollars. That's like a fun part of the show. Uh, that the Wheel of Fortune, even though it is the retiree show, it is the show for retirees. And, like, I don't think, I think the average age of a Wheel of Fortune audience member might be in their 60s and might be retired. It should be more brighter. It should be more younger. And I hope that because of the new regime with Mike Richards, it can be more vibrant and more fun and it could bring back that that fun vibe that I remember watching when I saw Wheel of Fortune in the 90s and the 80s. And I'm not saying, like, get rid of Pat and Vanna, because if I do that, holy crap, the bio-eval forms will just be on fire on my ass. Uh, but, like, Pat's funny. Pat's supposed to be a funny guy. Like, let him tell more jokes. Let Vanna tell jokes. Vanna was doing a good job when, when she was hosting for that little bit. Let them breathe a bit more because I'm sick of the show going like it's round two. You know what that means? Here's the wheel. Go like it just I, I get confused and I think Wheel of Fortune needs to continue feeling like uh, we are watching a fun game show and not so much just uh, filler television, if that makes sense, because I think Wheel of Fortune should be the opposite of filler television. It should have those stakes in the game. It should have the the contestant has $12,000. Should they go on and spin the wheel or just solve the puzzle? Ooh, ah. But, I mean, the main point of Wheel of Fortune has always been you would solve the puzzle before the contestant. So you feel smarter than them because they're trying to build up their cash total, but you're already screaming at them. You don't know it is... Uh, diamond studded bracelet how what 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 the hell come on don't you understand uh los angeles dodgers come on it just it just to I me mean, that's what the show is and i think it needs to either amp up that casino vibe it needs to have more sound it needs to have a brighter set or it just needs something that much like the other versions internationally it comes across like you want to be in the audience. Like you want to call out letters, even though you're not allowed to. You want to scream, go for it, go spin. But you can't. Because when I see the other versions, oh, they're just calling out letters with them. It's funny. <laughs> um, so I, I think that's what works. If you can make it vibrant, party, fun, and then when it gets to that bonus round, that's the one moment where it gets serious. You're, you have a great show. And Wheel of Fortune has been a part of my life for like 30 years at this point. And I can see Wheel of Fortune continuing afterwards. 
and not just in the form of like slot machines at Vegas or ticket redemption games at the Dave and Buster's or even as like phone games. I could see it as the game show that will live the test of time as long as there's current things and popular items and places people want to go to. Much like the price is right with as long as there's things and objects and people wanting them, that show will still live on. As long as there is TV shows, movies, music, celebrities, uh, and events to go to and current things and current trends... That show can live on forever as long as they can get the right puzzles. And to me, that's what needs to be done. Uh, they need to ch have the strong variety of puzzles, a strong variety of mini games, and make it vibrant fun. And they have an award-winning game show. And it, it can reclaim stuff if you don't have to just throw money at it to make it work. Now it's time for the 110 Bart series. Exploring every pricing game from The Price is Right. This is the Pricing Game Spotlight. That's too much. There, there's supposed to be an exclamation point. So that's too much. That's too much. I don't know. Uh, that's too much as a price game similar to range game played for a car. To win, the contestant must figure out which of the 10 prices is no more than $1,000 over the actual retail price of the car. Uh, premiere day of Bob Barker, April 19th, 2001. Number 1774K. Finale day, Bob Barker era, June 5th, 2007. 4022K. Premiere day with Drew Carey, October 19th, 2007. 4045K. Um... Gameplay. A line of 10 prices increasing in value is concealed on the game board, none of which is the actual retail price of the car. All right. One by one, the prices are revealed, and the contestant must determine the first price revealed that's higher than the price of the car to win it. Upon matching the price they believe is the answer, the contestant is asked to shout, That's too much! Uh, history. When the game was first played, a picture of the automobile was shown below, and a price was shown above. The picture of the automobile was removed on May 1st, 2001. The game received its first win on second playing on April 25th, 2001. It has been won 121 times. The most recent win happened, it says April 30th, but that's as of this recording. It could have obviously happened later. Uh, from its premiere date till June 23rd, 2009, the game's last playing on season 37, the buzzers or winning bells have been heard before the price is revealed. Beginning on September 21st, 2009, the price is revealed, then the winning bells. Oh, okay. Because that's that's a, that's important news that the bells switched. Uh, I, I look, that's fine, I guess. Sure. Um, March twenty first, twenty twelve. Game was played for two cars with twin contestants. Uh, being asked to stop the first price above the combined actual retail prices of both cars, it was not one. Uh, losing horns was not used on March twenty sixth and May seventh, twenty fourteen. Okay. Um. On October 15th, 2014, Dream Car Week, 145810 Ashton Martin was offered to a man named Craig, but was not won. February 3rd, 2015, a blooper occurred, which the first two prices were revealed at the same time. Uh, April 27th, a pair of Honda cars were offered a total of 34040 and were won. August 4, 11th, 2015, game was renamed That's Too Much Sun. Best 2015, a pair of Mitsubishi Mirages were offered, were 29810 were not won. 
Survivor special. The exclamation point was repainted blue for Survivor theme. Uh, May 19th, 2017. Dream Car Week was played for the second most expensive car ever offered on the show. A $206,473 Ferrari California T convertible. Only behind the $285,716 Ferrari offer on three strikes, but it was lost. On November 22nd, 2017, a Chevy Cruze was played on College Rivals Week. Who cares? Uh, February 20th, 2019, day three of Dream Car Week. Contestant Gregory paid for a Tesla and won after stopping at the third price. This was cut on its broadcast date due to a CBS special report for Robert Mueller making a statement about the Russian investigation in Canada. That's too much as the first pricing game to premiere in the 21st century. Uh, going by the rule of like 2001 is technically because it did debut April 19th, 2001. So, okay. Host Bob Barker usually asks a contestant to demonstrate shouting that's too much before the game began. If a contestant happened to be a member of the military, for example, Bob might ask him to shout like a drill and sergeant or a football coach. Therefore, with vigor, vitality, and energy, particularly unenthusiastic attempts such as not using the phrase word for word or saying the phrase too lightly usually resulted in admonishment from Barker and jeers from the audience. Drew Carey, on the other hand, doesn't give a shit and the, from the shouting, and so it requires the phrase to be used to stop the game. Under Barker, after a contestant said that's too much decision was final, Carey, however, has a lot of changes to be made if the contestant wishes to, to before the reveal. The game is the antithesis of many pricing games. That being closest to the actual retail price without going over to win the game, the contestant's supposed to be closest to the actual retail price and go over. Drew Carey often remarks the, on the difficulty of this game when it's played. Sadly, the game has never been won on the primetime version of the show, despite the fact it's been played seven times. The most number of times the game is played in season 36. The staff does not create new fake prices for that's too much. Any fake use on this game is drawn from approximately 40 possibilities. That's too much is one of seven price game, blah, 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 blah. You know what I like about that's too much? It's the 10, 10 uh, price tags. But what I like about it is everyone always goes like, well, the, the toughest is it's closest without going over. Well, if it's the first price, yes. I mean, that would make sense. But what if the game is all about two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and the object is to create the range? So you see a 16,000, then you see a 17,000. Then 17,000 to 18,000. Then 18,000 to 19,000. 19,000 to 20,000. 20,000 to 20. From there, why can't that be your frame set for creating the game? So I know it's that's too much, but what if the object is like, okay, you got 18,720. Then you got 19,975. Like one of those two would be a range, and you say that's too much, and that's your range. If it's in between the ranges, you win. Because I, I think when people keep saying that's too much, it always complicates things and always confuses them. Whereas if you just frame it in the sense of between these two prices, you win. I think that's when you have a, a good format in your hands. Although I do like the name that's too much and I do like the font, the concept itself because it is that kind of stop-go attitude like a deal or no deal, like a pushover that is also really fun because the second you say keep going, there's no going back. Uh, next time on the Pricing Game Spotlight, we're going bonkers, not the cartoon. And that's how means we are out of time for today. Because, man, Wheel of Fortune's a very lengthy episode. We had very big news. Uh, so, so we're going to conclude with the personal news here of game shows, I suppose. If you haven't been paying attention to Twitter, twitter.com slash jordha, J-O-R-D-H-A, or 
on facebook.com slash game shows podcast, you wouldn't get the news. Uh, the game shows, I suppose, is slowly fizzling out. We have a, a journey ahead of us uh, where we are going to conclude this podcast. Uh, it's really tough to, to say goodbye to a, to, a, to a podcast I spent almost two years working on. But, I mean, let's face it, like, the, the numbers don't add up to the effort. My head is just not there anymore to the point of I, I need to take the break. Uh, so what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be having great guests. Uh, the guest episodes I've already recorded for the month of July. They're all great episodes. Then starting in August, you're just going to be hearing me ramble about a game show until we get to the pricing, the pricing game spotlight conclusion. And we'll end with the prices, right? Cause that seems like the best way to end this game show podcast, right? We end with the prices, right? An iconic game show. So, like, I, I can't thank everyone who has ever listened to the show, rated the show, our first-time listeners, and you're just like, wait, the show's ending after I just started listening, or those who have guested and agreed to appear on the show. I can't thank them enough for all their help. Uh, but this kind of was, it's kind of one of those things where don't think there's a place for me in this exciting world of podcasting about game shows anymore. Like you already can get your thoughts about game shows just about anywhere else. There's like 20 different game show podcasts. If you want news, there's game show gumbo cast. There's uh, we love to interrupt. There's others where it's just friends doing the talky discussion thing. If you just want text, I mean, Buzzer Blog has their news. The Game Show Newsnet has their Bothers Bar. You can go anywhere for game show things. Uh, that For me, it's just kind of like I'm just being redundant. I'm just basically echoing what they've already been saying, even though uh, it's been weird that every single time I've called a game show and said this should be the next one, news breaks and, oh, they're making that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, they are. I only kind of wish some of them would send me feedback like, hey, I listened to your show. <laughs> That's all. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's a bit emotional. Uh, I have been thinking about doing this for about two weeks now. Because like the anxiety of just trying to get people to come on as a guest is bad enough. The effort to watch and research, it takes its toll a lot. And while I love game shows... Like, it's just been rough, like, to try and coordinate, schedule, edit, all that stuff that I'm going to try and, and if I'm going to end this podcast, I'm going to end it on my terms, and it's not like just not update and say goodbye, and like, oh, I just got lazy and never did it. If I'm going to end this podcast, which is a game show podcast, because it's the thing I enjoy talking about. I'm going to end up just talking about my favorite game shows from August onwards until we get to The Price is Right. Uh, if I miss a game show, I don't know. I'll check to see if there's demand for more discussion, more episodes. And if there is, you'll probably see them over on Patreon. That's right. I'm going to paywall the, the new episodes. Uh, not because, like, oh, this was my master plan all along. Uh, just more of because I don't think there's a demand for game shows, I suppose, anymore. That I might as well just be like, well, if you want it, it'll be over here. 
uh, like like just like to pay the five dollars or something at patreon.com slash jordan haas and it'll be up there um and we'll have a lot of fun in the process still but until then i'm just going to be talking about like the game shows i really enjoy and just you you'll be hearing me scream about the crystal maze probably real soon or deal or no deal and it'll be fun and and i hope you enjoy those episodes because it's going to be probably me hyperventilating about how much i really enjoy like i don't know like uh, the the pointless maybe pointless i gotta come up with a list <laughs> that's the problem i wrote down like four game shows and then i wrote down the prices right uh <laughs> so this is not really the smartest plan i'm going at this with a leap of faith the same way i did when i first started like when i first started it was that fuck it i'll just do it because no one listens and now it's like, well, I put so much effort into this after a while, and it's just like, oh, well, maybe I should just go back to just having no effort, rambling nonsense about game shows, because I think that might be where people will enjoy the show more or not. I don't know. I don't look. I don't control these things. I'm still, I'm still going to be talking about game shows. Rather, there's this podcast on this RSS feed or somewhere else. Um, but for the time being, I'm just burnt out. I can only have so many blue check marks let me know that Supermarket sleeps on Netflix before I just fizzle. Or, hey, did you know Jeopardy did this? Or Supermarket Sweep did that? And it's like, oh, these people who are like, I've never seen them in any of these circles get like 3,000 retweets and likes. And I'm sitting here going like, hi, I made like an hour and a half research documentary thing with a friend where we're goofing on Kid Nation. Oh, who cares? You're not the, the racist train conductor. Um, to me, that's just kind of where I just get fed up. It feels like, well, I'm appreciative that game shows have become mainstream, which is what I've been trying to argue for this entire time your head hat can't be in the game show fandom it has to be in the main line where it's everybody has a game show jeopardy is the ambassador to game shows everyone has seen that show at the same time it's me in doing this podcast i thought this would be the bridge the gap between both uh, the mainstream and the game show fandom but it's too niche for the mainstream audience and it's too uh, antagonistic, I would say, to the game show fandom, <laughs> uh, because I'm basically heckling and saying the, the 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 scoring system matters more than who's the host, um, or any sort of other hot takes I do. Uh, so so it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like nerdcore rap. It's for losers. <laughs> no, uh, it, it it's kind of like uh, well. I'm too niche to get like any mainstream appeal comedians, etc. But I'm too broad, or I'm already saying the obvious things, or incorrect thoughts, or incorrect opinions to that for the fandom to like it. So, yeah, that that's all. It just feels like oh, well, I'm recording this for myself then. Uh. I guess I can save myself like eight hours of time and just spend that watching a game show or maybe maybe writing or doing something I enjoy to help my mental health and physical health. I know COVID has made us all stir crazy. 
Um, but it, it, it's, it's kind of more than that. And, uh, but yeah, that's about it. So if you want to, so, so don't be like saying like, this is the last episode and get all paranoid. Like, Oh, Jordan, Jordan's going to end the show. No, no, no. I'm, I'm going to end it probably in October, November. It's just, I don't think you're going to hear news segments or anything except for a pricing game spotlight. <laughs> Because it's just going to be me talking about game shows I enjoy from here on out, pre-recorded, already scheduled, so I can just take a break and and play video games or or do whatever. Um, I I want to focus my attention on a pleasing Patreons and b making sure I'm satisfied and happy. And if I'm not really getting happy making this podcast, then what's the point? This is the one thing I know something about because it's the one thing I enjoy. That's all. That I hope I didn't end this on a on a sad note. I want to end this on a happy note. So uh, that's gonna do it for us here in, in game shows, I suppose. Uh, join me next week with another guest. Uh, this week was Will Fortune. Next week, because it's all pre-recorded, we'll be talking about Sale of the Century. So that should be a fun episode. Until then, have a great night and big smooch. Mwah!